talking about the creek, creek talk, talking about the creek, creek talk, talking about the creek, talking about Dawson's Creek. Welcome back to Creek Talk. I'm Steven. I'm Jamie. And we are breaking down episode five of Dawson's Creek called Hurricane. Season one, episode five. We sure are. And right now it looks like we're going to have a hurricane (laughs) where we live. It's crazy. Just a crazy, awesome storm. (sighs) So I wanted to say before we get into it, um, I really like this episode, Jamie. Me too. I remembered some parts of it, but not like all of it. But once I started watching it, it was like the pilot with the dialogue. I started remembering a lot of the dialogue and I had a whole different perspective on Gal and Mitch and their relationship. And uh, I just thought it was a really good episode. And you could tell that it was directed by a totally different person. But before we get into the episode, uh, what's going on with you? What's new? Nothing has really been super new. I've just been binging a lot of stuff. So, and by binging, I mean shows. <laughs> um, with the upcoming release, <laughs> with the upcoming release of Titans Seasons One and Two again, which is on HBO. I love DC comics, so uh, Raven and Gar are like my favorite. So I'm really excited about that. And then while I was looking into you know the new season and everything, I found these graphic novels by Kami Garcia, or Cami, Cami Garcia, and Gabriel Piccolo. Mm-hmm. And I just got my Raven one in the mail, and then my Gar one came the other day. And there is a pre-order that I put in for the one that is about both Raven and Gar falling in love with each other, and I'm really excited about that. And I've been watching The Stand on Paramount+. Plus, So that's like a Stephen King thing, and it's it's very good, honestly. And not zombies. It's like apocalyptic, <laughs> the end of the world, you know, type thing, but not with zombies, which was a nice change of pace. You know, usually when viruses hit and people start dying, they come back to life. You know, the last like 20 years with all of these, probably even longer, zombies stories have been around forever, but like the movies oh, yeah. have really come a long way with, with zombies. The stand is not zombies, and that makes me happy. I um, haven't watched it yet, but I know that Justin was watching it when it was airing. And I saw like a little bit of it, but it's always like hit or miss with me with Stephen King TV adaptations. I don't know. I, it it might be something that I'll sit down and watch later, but I'm not sure. Like what I saw of it, it didn't, I didn't like connect with it right away. So we'll see. I don't know. I do love a good horror show or like scary movie. I really didn't connect with it either. Terry really started watching it and then it it sucked me in because I'm, I'm hit or miss with Stephen King. I like the movies more than the shows but I don't touch anything with clowns. We don't go there. And I stay away from Pet Cemetery because the first time I saw that movie, I had nightmares about my cats dying and then coming back to life zombies. So it won't even go near Pet Cemetery. But oh my uh, God. <laughs> Rose Red was great. I love Rose Red. <laughs> oh, I think I actually have that on DVD. It's my, one of my favorites. But I don't remember it. I'm sure, really? it's, I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. I'm sure I could find it streaming. Uh, um, don't bet on that because I actually had to go hunting for the DVD. I couldn't find I couldn't find it digitally, but it might oh, well. be now. But I had to go hunting for it in like eBay or something. Oh my god, I've had it for like years. It was like one of those. I just remember buying it at like I don't know Walmart or something, and I've had it for years. But I've never it. actually sat and watched it. 
it's it's i mean it's a it's a haunted house basically is what it yeah. is it's it's so good so good well that's good yeah i remember always watching pet cemetery when i was a kid i always yeah. like really liked that movie and i think when i watch these movies now one they're not as scary as they were obviously well no but i have to watch i watch them and I'm like, wow, this really is like a good movie. It's it's creepy. Like, it really is a creepy movie. Yeah. And um, I always remember the scene where the little kid comes back. The the little boy dies and he comes back and he cuts the neighbor's heel or the back of his heel. I, I don't even know what the name of that's called. The back of your your foot. And your Achilles like, heel? Is that? I don't know. But he slices it. And I always remember that and thinking how disgusting that was. <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's your Achilles. I'm pretty sure. If yeah. That's what you're talking about. I think, I think it is. But, um, but they also have a uh, remake and I always go to put it on and cause I want to, I just want to see what it's like. And then I fall asleep. I have not watched it all the way <laughs> through yet. So I guess this is a lot about that movie, <laughs> but good. I'm glad you got your book or your, your graphic novel and your, you know, watching the stand um so i am obsessed with the musical waitress that sarah Bareilles wrote um sarah Bareilles wrote a musical i, I yeah. didn't even know this okay oh, yeah it's been she's it's been around for like a couple of years now i'm always late to like musicals and stuff like that i remember in my like oh, 20s my friend would blast the wicked soundtrack in her car and I would be like, I don't want to listen to this shit. Like, what is this? And no joke. It is like one of my favorite soundtracks. <laughs> I watched the whole thing. Like, I've never seen it live, but I watched it on, on YouTube with the original cast with Kristen Chenoweth and Adina Men- Menzel. But um, I even got my niece, Adriana, into the song Popular. And we would like sing it back and forth to each other, which is cute. But um, I started listening. I saw a clip on TikTok of the cast from Waitress with Sarah Bareilles singing the opening song. And I kept watching it and watching it. It was only like such a, it was such a short clip. And I just found the full like three minute clip on YouTube and watched the whole thing through. But last week I bought the soundtrack. Like, so she wrote like the musical but she also wrote the songs to be like like songs that she could just sing in concert, I guess, so that it doesn't sound like a musical. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I've been listening to that. And I like when I get in my like feels and I get like very emotional, I'm like, I'm like sitting in bed listening to this this music and I'm getting so sad. It's not even sad music, but I'm getting so sad because I'm like thinking about all these things in my head. And all these things in my life. And I'm like, I could have, should have, would have type of things. And uh, it, it gets me so like messed oh, this up. this is not the musical for you. Okay. No, it really <laughs> is. No, like I love it. I love it. It's, it gave it, you too many feels. <laughs> put me in such an emotional state. I don't, I get so whacked out, Jamie. It's my own problem. <laughs> it's, it's a Stephen problem. <laughs> yeah. So I, um. I've been listening to that. And then I've just said, I want, I think I want to go see them, uh, see it on Broadway. It's coming September 2nd, I think through October, but I don't know with this whole new, um, Delta variant coming around. I don't know what the hell is happening. So I don't know. And plus if the tickets are like $300, I'm not spending that much on tickets for a Broadway show. I've never seen a Broadway show. I've never seen like a Broadway show, but I've been, uh, I've seen like off Broadway. I am. I really wanted to go see 
Oh God. What Ooh, was it? I just saw lightning. <laughs> it just scared me. <laughs> I think it was Moulin Rouge. Oh yeah, you love that movie. I love Oh, I remember you telling me this. You wanted, wanted to go see it, right? Moulin Rouge. I think it was like two or three years ago. I really wanted to go to the show. I think that they were actually performing it, not just, you know, yeah. the Ewan McGregor movie, but I really, really wanted to go and I couldn't get anybody to really go with me. So, and I'm not going to go to New York by myself. No. <laughs> I don't even know. I, I don't even know the neighborhoods in New York. So oh, why am I going to wander around in New York by myself? It's just, I would, I'd, I'd be on a milk carton somewhere. <laughs> you wouldn't. <laughs> I um I've never seen uh Moulin Rouge. I think I I think I own it. I think I got it in like a free bin at the bookstore, but I've never watched it. I think I died a little inside. You need to watch it, Steven. It's that like, and the greatest showman. That. Yeah, that's what I, I think is me. Those two are they're like on my list. Like I want to see them. The greatest showman was cool. Moulin Rouge is still my favorite. Yeah, I remember my brother, my younger brother and his girlfriend at the time used to watch it all the time. And I was like, what is it about this movie that you love so much? Oh, good. But, I mean, it's Nicole Kidman. It's Ewan McGregor. And you never would have realized that Ewan can sing because that man can sing. And he's fine. But that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> I think I was like, I don't remember what year it came out, but I really got into it in high school and my, my neighborhood. So, like, we would meet up and walk around our neighborhood and just sing the songs. Like, oh, my God, that's so <laughs> I don't funny. Even, Right out in the middle of the street at like 10 o'clock at night, we would just be walking around singing Milan Rouge and we just did not care. <laughs> this is the life. That's hilarious. I'm going to see when it came out. Hold on. Milan Rouge. 2001. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So I got into it like a decade later. <laughs> when yeah. it came out, I was probably yeah. too busy watching Buffy and other things to really worry about musicals. I was 2001. I was, you know, 11. So um, did you like the Buffy musical? Oh my God. Yes. Once more with feeling. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I know all those words too. Same. I, I have the uh, CD. I, that was the, first, that was the first CD I made from um, what's it called? Napster. Do you remember oh Napster? yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. Napster. Mm. I figured out how to burn a CD. Guys, I downloaded pirating. all the music and I, <laughs> and I made this, the Buffy CD. I still have it. It's crazy. I have it somewhere too. But uh, side note, guys, pirating, it's illegal. Do not steal, okay? Don't download those songs, those, those you know, movies, those TV shows illegally. Buy it, please. Okay. That's, that's I don't even know how people would do it now anyway. Everybody streams and has their own stuff, so I don't... I don't know, but Torrent, BitTorrent, if that's still around, I haven't, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I want to say like maybe like five years ago, we had one of the uh, fire stick and somebody jacked it and we were able to watch like movies that were out in the theaters and stuff. Yeah, they, they call it's called breaking. <laughs> they jailbreak. Yeah. Jailbreak. Yeah. That's what it was. They jailbreak they it. But yeah. it, then it just stopped working. So I, but you have to stay up on it. It needs updates and you got to keep the, it's, it's pain. And I never do any of that stuff. Never. Yeah. I didn't have the patience to figure it out either. I like, I can't, if I was like 20 something, I would be worried about it and trying to fix it. But not now. I don't care that much. It was fun though. Cause I remember we watched the, we were watching the one um, paranormal activity movie, like the last one that came out and it was so spooky and I was like so excited to watch it because it was like out in the theater still or it was like br- a brand new movie that you had to pay for. I don't know. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I am all about Waitress the Musical with Sarah Bareilles because I love her. You're about all about your graphic novel, Titans, right? Yep, Teen Titans. All right. And other than that, we're just both dealing with weird tech problems and uh, a storm coming. (laughs) So I hope it's not coming. It's here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's not raining here yet because I don't hear it. It's, no, it's just, I don't know if it's passing through now because it starts, it's starting to look light out, but the thunder, I've, I only saw some lightning and, and heard a little bit of thunder, but nothing's happening now. It's just really dark out. Maybe you got lucky. I don't know. I thought it would be cool if we had the rain in the background though. <laughs> Till our power goes out. Till our power goes out. <laughs> and then I'd be like throwing shit. I'd be like, motherfucker. <laughs> Nothing like having a fake hurricane in the middle of trying to go over a hurricane episode. I, I know. How ironic. <laughs> um, all right. Well, do you want to uh, get into this episode? Yeah, let's do it. I'm sure that's what our listeners are here for. Right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're just going to pretend you're in the background going, yeah. Let's just be yeah. honest. We're just here to talk to each other about this <laughs> at this point. Because <laughs> I was editing our last episode and we just talk about nonsense. And... <laughs> I was sitting there cracking up at us and I'm like, I hope people like actually fucking like this because (laughs) we just talk about anything now at this point. (laughs) We're going to change their name to let's talk nonsense instead of, you know, Creek Talk podcast. (laughs) Let's talk talk about Creek. Let's Creek Talk and everything else in the world. (laughs) Creek Talk and nonsense. (laughs) Talk and nonsense. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start. It is season one, episode five, titled Hurricane, aired February 17th, 1998, directed by Lou Antonio. So it's a different director. And I feel like I could tell that it was a different director. Um, Written by Kevin Williamson and Dana Barada. Yeah, you can totally tell. It has a totally different feel to it than the other episodes that we watched so far. I personally feel like. The other thing I wanted to say is that I really liked how they were all in one setting together like the majority of the cast. And then we had the other three characters, but you wouldn't even know that they were stuck in one house. You know what I mean? They were all having their own situations happen. I really liked that they did that. And that's something, it's like something I never realized when I watched it before. So I, I, I enjoyed that aspect of the episode. Now I completely agree with you. Cause it really made me wonder if this is probably really silly, but like how big, <laughs> Is Dawson's house. I know. They have all of those people in there, all this drama happening, and nobody really know each other's business. I just, I mean, we'll get to it as we get through this the show and we start getting towards the end of the episode. But um No, I thought the same thing too. I was like, <clears throat> wow, he has so many different rooms and that house is huge. And we I remember when we did extra work, we went to the set and we saw we walked through the whole house and well the sets or whatever because the exterior exterior is an actual house that we like creeped up on but we didn't really get to get too close to it right um and i think the owners now let tourists come and like take pictures and stuff so i'm sure if we like asked they would have let us but all of their um like his bedroom and all those scenes in the kitchen and the house like that whole house they have um sets that are on a uh, soundstage in Wilmington, North Carolina. And then the same with, well, at that time, it was like uh, Joey's college room, dorm room, and um, mm. the uh, Audrey, her, I think they Audrey. were sharing a room. Yeah, they, but, were sharing, um, they shared a dorm room later. Yeah, but we walked through the whole set. And it was really cool um, just going through it and seeing how they do it. Everything looks so much smaller 
it's so weird when you're like in person but I was telling I know I was telling Justin I was like I was actually on that set like when (laughs) and he was like whatever (laughs) he doesn't care (laughs) see that couch I sat on that couch (laughs) you see that wicker that that wicker you know all the wicker table all the wicker (laughs) yeah there was a lot of wicker in this episode Jamie (laughs) did you notice it Tamara's house Tamara's house in uh all it was all over I was like wow there's a lot of wicker in this episode but anyway all right so we open up uh in Dawson's room uh we get a close-up of his framed photo of Steven Spielberg (laughs) and um we're getting sort of like an idea of what's happening with the gust of wind coming through and knocking everything off knocking everything off his dresser Joey and Dawson are watching uh, tw- they just got finished watching Twister, which is funny. And they're trying to figure out what to watch next. Yeah, Twister's such a good movie, isn't it? Uh, Joey, Twister's great. I love Twister. I actually love Twister so much that I have a DVD copy and a Blu-ray copy. And I don't know how I ended up with two. <laughs> but I did. Um, <laughs> I actually, I used to have the Twister poster, like the movie poster. Hanging yeah, I did too. Yep, I love Twister. But Joey... Joey totally had my vote with her next movie suggestion, which was the Poseidon Adventure. I love the Poseidon Adventure. I just love it. And it's also probably the reason why I will most likely never end up on a cruise. But it's so good. If you've never seen it, you got to watch it. (laughs) I think I saw the remake. I never saw the original. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's about a boat that like uh, gets like destroyed under yeah upside down it capsizes, capsizes yep, it's, a, yeah. it's a big wave that comes and they try to turn into it and they don't make it and then it rolls upside down and then uh, these handful of survivors trying to get to the bottom of the boat which is actually now at the top of the boat so they can get out before it completely sinks um and they go through a lot of stuff they lose a lot of people i think only like five people i don't even remember it's a really small amount of people actually survive it's like five or something isn't kurt russell in it i think he's in the newer one hold on yeah and I think Emmy Rossum. I'm saying these names to you like you know who they are. <laughs> I, know who, I, know who, I know who Kurt Russell is. Poseidon was the 2006 adaptation. And it does have Emmy Rossum, Josh Lucas, Kurt Russell, uh, Mike Vogel's in it. Oh, I remember him. Mike yeah. Vogel Billy, I think. And then, then you've got the Poseidon Adventure, which was in 1972. And that one had Gene Hackman. No, I lied. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be Gene Hackman. I had a bunch of people in here. It was Gene. Gene Hackman was in it. I don't really know any of these other people. <laughs> I think Shelly Winters is in it. She is. Shelly Winters. See, I, know. I know. I've never seen it, but I know. You know, you know who's in it. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, they're like my favorite movies. I love those movies so much. They're so I'll good. have to watch them now. Yes, watch them. Highly recommend. All right, so back to the episode. Joey suggests they watch The Poseidon Adventure. She, has, she says another movie too, but I forgot what she said. It was um, like her Poseidon Adventure. I didn't care about any other movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they their uh, conversation stops because the local news comes on and they start talking about Hurricane Chris, which is uh, supposed to be coming into the area. And... Um, they get so excited because their school's closed for the next day, which is why we get the setting of them all sort of together in one setting. So they're so excited. And then we see Gail and Bob on screen together. 
And Gal says, tomorrow would be a great day to stay in bed. And Bob responds, you got that right, Gal, which totally sets Dawson off. Yeah, it does. I mean, it would set me off too. Yeah, it's kind of creepy, like because he knows and, you know, it's just weird. It's something all right. I've got some choice opinions as this episode progresses. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's very, um... Uh, the whole thing with Gal, like uh, he makes me angry. But we'll get to that yeah. when those when those moments occur, right? But school's closed, so everybody's super excited. Dawson does like a happy dance in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I heard excited. you coming. No school. Um, <laughs> once Dawson sees his mom and Bob, he he loses his all of his interest to even watch a movie and he tells her he's just gonna go to bed and she says you know you have to face it sooner or later and he says basically due to the hurricane he's postponing his life something like that and she says his life is a hurricane then she has the line as she's climbing out the window fasten your seatbelt. it's going to be a bumpy life which is a play on the line that betty davis says in all about eve which is Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah, I really loved. I love that um, that turn of phrase. Because then the the next thing that I popped in my head was no life is smooth sailing. You know, because of where they are. You know, on Cape Side and there's sailboats. And I'm like, Haha, see what I did there? I thought I was clever for a moment. But <laughs> yeah, I like it. it I like it. And you know, there's no smooth sailing. You know, bumpy life. No smooth sailing. Ba-dum-tsh. All right. Anyways. I'm done. <laughs> I'm here all I'm here all night guys all night <laughs> she's here all night <laughs> here all night <laughs> um so we uh also I wanted to mention the song that's playing in the background it's called Healing Hands by Mark Cohen and I have to say that's that was probably one of my like least favorite songs that would play throughout the series but listening to it it's it really is a good song now like as I listen to it now um there wasn't a lot of music in this episode there was only two songs but there was a lot of instrumental and the way that they use the music uh, in every scene. I, th- I really like that too. Um, especially with the whole, all the scenes with Tamara and Pacey and Doug and the music with Gail and Mitch and all that stuff. I thought that was really smart that they did that, that they didn't use a lot of pop music. Yeah. It, it sets the mood, especially because it was a lot of more serious things coming to head. You're in the middle exactly. of a hurricane and then secrets are coming to light and, Pacey and Tamara kind of get tested. It's it's great, you know, and then and then you've got this hurricane happening. And then when you got the next song, you know, like it's the end of the world as we know it comes on. And I got really excited, you know, so I started singing along with it. I don't know. How can you not sing to that song? Everybody needs to know the song. If you don't know the song, we've been living living under a rock and shame on you. Shame (laughs) for shame. You know, but it's the end of the world as we know it. And, you know, even right now with the pandemic, it it pretty much feels like it, but it's fine because I'm fine and you're fine and I feel fine and we'll be all right. We'll get there. Yeah, that was that was nice, Jamie. You um, (laughs) you pretty much said the words to the song. Yeah. (laughs) That was funny. um so yeah the the song's playing it's the end of the world as we know it and um we're in downtown capeside people are like boarding up their businesses getting ready for the hurricane then we see dawson he's bringing in furniture to like uh make sure the house is secure gal is on the phone arguing with her boss uh about not being able to report the hurricane uh she says it's because she doesn't have a penis and uh, she tells her boss she'll be home all day ironing her husband's socks. She gets off the phone and Mitch tells her his appendage is happy. She's able to stay home. They start making out. 
Dawson comes in and, <laughs> of course, catches them making out. He starts naming off all the stuff that he has for the hurricane. And he goes, flashlight, candles, cold shower, batteries. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I I really, honestly, I I can't say this probably every episode, but I love the dialogue. I love the witty comebacks and the fast responses. Yeah. I love it so much. Uh, it, It is one of the things that I really do like about the show. It's, it is, they do make them really smart. And the more I'm watching it, like I'm not, it doesn't bother me. You know, I'm not getting like, like, shut up. You know what I mean? Like talk normal, that type of thing. They, they deliver it realistically to me. So it's not, it it doesn't bother me. So yeah, I'm fine with it. Um, I will say a lot of the line reading that Dawson has that James Vanderbeek has in this episode, it's a little dramatic. Like his, his uh, acting in this episode is a little dramatic for me. But we have this whole um, conversation with him and Gail. Do you want to get into that? Yeah. I mean, I was going to comment on that, though, just to just quickly say that Dawson's character is just dramatic to begin with. But um, he's he's definitely a little extra today. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little. He's like he's like extra times like three three thousand. I mean, it, his world's falling apart right now. His life is that he's you know, didn't think was perfect, but everybody thought it was perfect is actually really not perfect. And it's kind of shaking him up. But um, so this conversation that's about to happen between Dawson and Gail. Yeah, uh, he's being real passive aggressive with his mother. Yeah, And um, he starts bringing up Bob. And, um, you know, he's talking about how well, he's talking about how his dad is such a great guy. And he's a great father. And she doesn't disagree with him. And then he mentions Bob. And I don't remember. I don't even remember what what he says about him. But he goes to leave the kitchen and he goes, got to get ready for Hurricane Bob. And Gal corrects him. And Dawson just says, right, uh, Chris is the hurricane. Bob is the anchor man. He says that a couple of times to her. And you yeah. see it on her face. Like, uh, she goes, this, oh, boy. Like, yeah, he knows. Exactly. This is where Dawson's hints finally hit home with Gail. And this is where after afterwards it starts to piss me off with Gail's behavior because it's obvious. You've been made, honey. Your son knows. Joey knows. If you got two, you know, teenagers who aren't even paying that close attention to you, who knows? Who do you think else knows in this small little hunky-dory town? So, especially after the behavior that happened in the last episode with them kissing right in the middle of the hallway and at their job, I just... Well, the other thing, before we get into the next scene, the other thing I want to get to say is she's so blatantly obvious about it. Like, even when when she's caught later on the phone, she's on a fucking landline. Like, she's on her house phone. Do you know how annoying that was when you were on your house phone and somebody would pick up the phone and hear your whole conversation? How many times, for those of us who are old enough, and when I say landline people, I'm talking about just one line. Like, you may have had multiple phones throughout your house, but only one phone line. So if you're on the phone and somebody else picks up that phone, they're listening to your conversation. So you better hope that your your conversation isn't inappropriate because most likely your parents are listening to you and now you're busted, you know? Oh, my God. I mean, I can't say that... (laughs) you know, Gail and they, she was using just like the main line or she had multiple phone lines, but most likely for this time, they probably only had the one house phone, you know, not like individual lines in each person's bedroom type deal. It was just the house phone 
there were no cell phones. I mean, not, not really <laughs> beepers. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really what drove me crazy is because she's so obvious and she's not even hiding at the bottom of the steps or, you know, whatever with a house full of people. Like she couldn't, like she couldn't not call him like for five minutes, like for a day. Like you're, you're stuck in your house with your whole fucking family. Like you have to call him. It's not even She's, just her own family. You've got the neighbors, you know, got Jen and her grandma. You've got Zoe so and her sister and Bodie. Like you got, I just, I, she's very selfish. Anyways, we didn't get to that point yet. We're skipping ahead a little no, bit. It's all right. If you're done with that. Yeah, go you? ahead. You can get into the next one. Okay. Finally meet Dougie. Because I don't think we met Dougie before. Dougie Not is Dougie's brother. His what do they call him? Deputy. He's, He's a deputy. Deputy Dougie. Deputy Doug. Um, so um yeah. So Pacey's on the beach with du- Deputy Doug. We meet Doug, played by Dylan Neal, who I believe was like a soap opera actor, but he did a lot of other WB shows too. But he he had a long run on this show playing this character. Yes, he did. Pacey is having being like a smart ass to him, kind of calling him out, saying he's he's gay and he uh doug doesn't like it i have to say though it it's not like offensive because it was this show is of its time really but the line reading that joshua jackson has where he imitates uh like a really effeminate gay man i don't think that would ever really happen now at all um but a gay man was writing this show so like i can't be mad at it but (laughs) And I really like when I watch it back then, I probably laugh, but um, I watch it now. And it's just like you said before about your perception uh, changes. And I was like, wow, that was kind of rude. Like if, if that if somebody did that to me, just like was trying to imitate me, I would be offended. But I would just be like, fuck off. I mean, I totally see that. But I think at least as far as these two characters go, we really get to see how they interact with each other. Yeah. We get to see how the relationship is. And this is not something that is abnormal. Or un- you're right you're exactly right about that and doug completely takes it with stride he's like he just tells him i'm not gay and then at one point this is my favorite he goes just because i'm pretty doesn't mean i'm gay yeah. <laughs> and if anybody is you know if you guys are watching this show or it's the first time or if you are brand new and haven't gotten to this episode yet first of all what are you doing listening to us go watch the show first and then come back but you know if not look up this actor because he is really cute he, he really is handsome this interaction i just i think it's really funny because the first time we get introduced to doug it's pacey calling him out and saying that he's gay because of the music he listens to and he loves musicals and just like really ridiculous stuff that doesn't mean that you're gay and you know doug is not so he says yeah so he says says. i wonder if i wonder if they knew back then when they were writing this character that they were going to make him be uh a gay character like later on in the show um, and if he played it that way, but all signs point that he's a homosexual. <laughs> like, and like, there I is this, like yeah. this conception about gay guys loving musicals, which is hilarious since I was just talking about <laughs> musicals. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I was like, I knew I was going to talk about that when I bought the the album. And I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about this this week on the episode. And then when I watched this, episode and all he does is talk about musicals that he loves i was like oh my god how fucking appropriate is that (laughs) 
it was, it was perfect timing. But I, I mean, it's up to interpretation of what anybody thinks, but I feel yeah. like this is definitely foreshadowing. And it's just so funny how strong the foreshadowing is because it's the first time we really get to meet Doug. Yeah. But we don't find out that he's gay until like the end. The final episode. So, like you know? last episode, last of ever. Like he doesn't, we never, he just comes back and all of a sudden, you know, you know who he's with. So yeah. But yeah, they're uh they're having like this this banter back and forth, like this brotherly banter where they're just taking the piss out of one another. And um they end up at Tamara's house, which is a really nice beach house. <laughs> like from the outside i was like how much money does this woman make as a teacher and he goes up uh she's like bringing everything in her house and he starts to come on to her and go to kiss her and she stops him and you're like oh is it because she is like not into him anymore but really you're like oh well probably doug's probably like right around the corner and doug comes right around the corner (laughs) which is what happens and so they're like saved by doug it's so funny that you say that though, not to cut you off, but you said, is she not interested anymore? Or is Doug right around the corner? What I thought of when I first saw it the first and the second time, because I kind of forgot about it is, is it because she's on a public beach? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, like, literally, she's on the beach. It's like her house, and then the sand dunes, and then the beach. So I thought, which was really kind of silly to think about, because a hurricane is rolling in, and the only people that are on the beach right now are the police, so they could put the, the flags in the dunes. Right. Um <laughs> So I don't even know why that's where my head went, but my my head went in other in public. <laughs> well, I thought that at the end, at the end of the episode, because she wants to be so quiet about it, but she's so obvious about it, you know, on her front porch and she's all, she's on the beach and it's nice. So I don't know. Um, there's a lot of weird continuity with them with the last episode with the with the school and they're like screaming at each other in like a crowded school and then the episode before that they were they were in like a the school by themselves and she's telling them to be quiet so they they really didn't work that out I don't think but in this case she's trying to be protective because she knows Doug is right around the corner and um he pops up and he starts kind of flirting with her and you can see Pacey getting really mad (laughs) and um he says the look on Pacey's face is like murder. He yeah, is ready to kill his brother. Like the, he is just if I could freeze frame that, I should have free fra- freeze framed it and so like a screenshot of it because honestly it it's it's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a really funny scene that because she oh he even says what can I call you and Pacey's like Miss Jacobs is fine and she's like or or tomorrow tomorrow whatever whatever is fine and now they're now Doug's sort of like flirting with her but they go and they stay with her uh, because she's scared of the storm and bad weather and all that type of stuff so now their storyline is going to be with her in her house for the rest of the episode. Yep. Now we're at Joey's house, which isn't a house. It's a shack. <laughs> they're, um, they're packing up everything. We got Bessie and Bodie arguing about circumcising their child, which they don't even know if it's going to be a, a boy yet or a girl. And it's like stupid conversation. I don't know. Bessie's so against it because she thinks it's barbaric and like, it's the child's right to circumcise himself. But if you've like heard adult men getting circumcised, they say it's the worst fucking feeling in the world. So like, if you're a baby and it's something that's been happening for years and years and years, and you want to circumcise your kid, just have them circumcise the kid while they're in the hospital. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I think like, 
there was this whole argument about this a couple years ago, and I thought it was so silly. I, 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 all right, so I'm not a guy. I don't have the equipment, obviously, but um, <laughs> had with male friends in, in the past, <laughs> like many years ago. Um, and I straight up asked them, like, were you circumcised? And they would say yes. And I'm like, okay, I'm assuming in the hospital. And I'm like, do you remember? No. No. Why not just do it when the child is young? It's cl- cleaner, isn't it? Like, it, it helps prevent bacterial infections or yeah. whatever. Um, you know what I mean? So it's going to be healthier for the child. The child's not going to have any recollection of it. They're not going to be traumatized. They'll know that this piece of skin even existed. So like, I don't, I don't see what the big deal is either. Just, just do it and be done. I mean, unless it goes against your religion or if you have really strong reason why, then that's yeah. your business. But just know that later down the line, if that child decides to do it, he's probably going to be traumatized after that. So yeah, and he's going to be in a lot of pain. There yeah. was, I listened to Howard Stern and he had a caller call in and say that he got circumcised as, as an adult and he said he would never recommend it he said yeah. it was like the worst feeling ever and i don't think you can have sex for like a month or something maybe even longer because it's so painful like because you're healing healing yeah but um yeah i i wouldn't want to do that i don't know i'm not like pro i'm not like for it i don't care what you want to do it's not my problem i right. i was circumcised as a baby <laughs> That's all I know. And uh, I'm happy about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy I don't have foreskin. <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> it makes me happy. So anyway, they're arguing about that whole thing. And <laughs> um, uh, Joey's like, can we just stop arguing about this? This is nonsense. Um, Junior's going to be an afterthought before he's even circumcised because it's going to be blown away in this typhoon. Uh, let's go to Dawson's house. Uh, it'll be a lot safer. So they end up going to Dawson's house. And trust me, if anything were to come through that town, their, their tiny little shack that they live in would be demolished. I don't, I've never noticed it before. I knew that they lived in like a small house. But the way they had it set up, you would think they lived in a garage. I Like, I didn't understand it. It wasn't a normal house. No, it looks like like one room. Yeah. That's part of the kitchen. It's like a kitchen living room thing. And there's probably a bathroom somewhere. And I honestly would not be surprised if it's only one bedroom and Joey sleeps on the couch. But I really, you don't know. We never really see bedrooms that I can recall. I don't remember either. I don't remember ever seeing a bedroom until in or um, a bed and breakfast. Oh yeah, but, they they turned into a bed and breakfast, right? I yeah, with Casey. Casey helps you know build this bed and breakfast for Joey and his her sister and everything. But I don't think that we ever see any other room besides that like kitchen living room area that you see when you first walk in. So I really wouldn't. I don't even know if they have a bathroom. I would assume they have a bathroom. <laughs> they <have> an outhouse. <laughs> they probably. <laughs> they use the creek a, a five you know five gallon bucket with a toilet seat lid i don't know <laughs> they 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 use the creek <laughs> they use the creek they use the creek oh man i mean it's only like a stone's throw away so maybe i never yeah. noticed it before anyway so they're they're gonna go to uh dawson's house um this is the scene i was talking about where they're at pacey's at tomorrow's and doug starts putting down uh, Pacey and says he was like the clown of the family or whatever. And, yeah. you know, she says that he's been doing really good in school. That's all that was. No, I really like that though. And you're totally right. So when they were having this conversation, Doug was kind of coming down on Pacey and the dynamic between both Doug and Pacey and how they interact as brothers. And they've got this joking on it. 
and we see it again you know first it's pacey picking on doug mm-hmm. you know and now it's doug picking on pacey but the only difference is now they have an audience now they have a female person right. presence and doug is still coming down on pacey so you really kind of puts you into perspective like okay it's one thing to be joking around in private like this is how you guys have a conversation but now you were literally putting your brother down you know I don't want to say peer because she's not necessarily a peer, but her well, in a way, it looks like Doug is trying to make himself look better because he's putting his little brother down. But exactly. little does he know, she's already like banging him. So <laughs> <laughs> poor Dougie, <laughs> he didn't have a shot. Ugh. Anyway, so yeah, that that whole thing happened. But now we're at the Leary household. Uh, Dawson is still fixing the furniture, all the wicker furniture um, that Gal bought for their front porch, trying to secure it. And Mitch is bringing Grams and Jen over because he says uh, he feels like they would be a lot safer over there. And Grams, in her weird, weird dialects, is saying, "If the Lord, if the Lord decides to blow my house away, then so be it." Then Jen says, uh, Grams, I forgot to tell you, the Lord sent a fax while you were out, something about the Armageddon, and she's not happy about that. <laughs> it was cute. Um, and then Jen, yeah, it was funny. I thought it was funny. Because the look she gives her, she's like, you're such a little bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? The things Grams would never say. Oh, yeah, she would never call her a bitch. Then we see Je- uh, Jen sees Dawson, and she's trying to make small talk. Uh, They talk about how her grandfather is back in the hospital, which is a nice uh, plot point because why would they be over there without their grandfather? (laughs) Um, And she goes to get closer to him and maybe go and like hug or give him a kiss. And he blocks her with a giant wicker cabinet and drops it right in front of her and sort of like gives her the, the sign, like, like, I don't, once you near me type of thing and she calls him out and basically says i feel like you're being cold it's not a judgment it's just an observation like do you want to talk about it and he says no i got a lot of stuff going on in my head and just really blowing her off which is really messed up like it really is messed up like you have this girl so what if she had sex already she's so into you and you're acting like such a little baby because you weren't like the first person to like be with her like get get over yourself dude just like listen to her and talk to her be an adult i think um well not be an adult because he's a kid but like you he wants to act like an adult all the time with this one though too yeah yeah exactly i think with this one too is we really start to realize that it may not really be so much about Jen and her past as it is his own mm-hmm. crap that's going on. But he's definitely taking it out on Jen because it's easier. That's exactly um, right. I do want to take a point because I really love that they, <laughs> she said this is not a judgment, just an observation. And I really like that saying. I'm going to try to use this saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many people I can not offend. But <laughs> oh my god, we should both use it. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure in this episode, this isn't the first time that we've actually heard this phrase. And I'm pretty sure it's somebody else that says it too. Remember, because I didn't pay that close of attention. But like in this episode, yeah, or maybe it's it was either in this episode or it was in the last episode. But this is not the first time that I've heard this turn of phrase. Oh, see, it's the first time I I recognized it. Maybe maybe it'll be in a future episode then. We'll have to keep an eye out for this. I'm just going to write it really good. (laughs) <laughs> Put it on a sticky note, yeah. Put it on a sticky note. Make a make a thing make a thing with your cricket. 
hang it on your wall. There you go. I got I like some that. temporary vinyl. I'll just make a, I'll make a phrase and stick it somewhere. Yeah, I like that. Um, all right. So we're back in the living room with Mitch and Grams and the whole gang. And Mitch introduces Bessie and Bodie to Grams. And she says, they've met your Bessie, Joey's unmarried sister. <laughs> and uh she barely makes eye contact and then bessie introduces bodie and she just looks at him and she says mm-hmm. like grams could be grams doesn't even look at bodie. yeah she's such an asshole she doesn't, this even, episode. she doesn't even look at bodie she just completely turns her back on bodie completely i know we get a whole different side of grams throughout the series but they really did make her out to be like a total racist in this episode and I cannot, like, when we get to the thing she says about their baby, I can yeah. understand where the writers were going with that, but she still all, she still looked like an asshole. I don't get it, because she's the one who's, yeah, like, I lived the most yeah. life. She's a fucking nurse, and she, you know, deals with so many different people, and she's just being so judgmental to people she doesn't even know. It's so weird. Yeah, you're completely right. I mean, Bessie is sort of annoying, but still. <laughs> you don't have to take it out on her hot boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I really love I mean it happens later but I really really love when they start getting into the conversation about race because mm-hmm. I think at one point she says you know whether it's a boy or it's a girl and then she's like whether she's whether it's black or white and um Bessie turns around and goes black or white or it doesn't what does she say something about it, it doesn't matter if he's black or white it'll be a hundred percent love Mm-hmm. And I just, I really loved that. Yeah, it was a nice comeback. She, and you know. Oh, yeah, because it shut Grams up. Yeah, and she, I like that she said it that it, way. It doesn't matter what my child is. Yeah, I like that she said that instead of just arguing with somebody who's just so set in their ways. You know what I mean? Okay. It would have gotten them nowhere. It's it's a great thing to do to to give them the ability to think about it as opposed to arguing with them. Because when you're arguing with somebody who's who's like that, they're not going to change their mind. You need to give them something to think about. And then later they can go, huh, maybe I'm looking at this wrong. So it's all about putting the thoughts in somebody's head, not in the face and everybody's just mad. Yeah. Yeah. I like that too. I like that they, that they wrote it that way. Um, so this is the scene where we see Gail on the stairs talking to Bob, uh, uh, quote unquote, secretly, where she's literally like in front of her whole family. And she's, we see Dawson sort of in the background and he hears her and she's just about to get off the phone. She's like giving him kisses over the phone, which is so annoying. This is the second time she did that. And um, he just sort of Ridiculous. She's literally, her. like, yeah. So... <laughs> Wait. Oh, wait. So their conversation, this is what this is why Dawson says what he says. So Gal is talking about all the plaques and trophies she's won and how she has more than Bob. And then they get off the phone and then Dawson comes up and he says, I got a new award for you, mom. It's not a trophy, though. It comes in the form of an A and you have to stitch it right here. And he like points to his chest. I love that so much because it's a Scarlet Letter reference and, you know, me and my books, but I just, I really love, I love the Scarlet Letter reference and I love, I really enjoyed the Scarlet Letter as a book, but, you know, A for adultery. I mean, you had passive aggressive Dawson, you know, a couple of scenes back and now Dawson's like, I got you by myself and I just literally heard you blowing kisses into our house phone to your side piece slash co-anchor and you know now i'm gonna let you have it (laughs) yeah i did think it was i i mean i liked the the dialogue too i just thought the way he delivered it was just very over dramatic for me 
and we get into this whole other scene with him where he's just uh, I don't know he's just too much he's too much so she's now caught and you know she stops him because he starts to walk away and she just wants to explain to him about the whole situation so that he understands and he basically tells her like understand what that you're cheating on my father basically and he tells her like you if you want to go tell somebody like don't tell me go tell go go tell your husband go tell my dad because he's the one who needs to know and yeah. she eventually goes and tells him but he says he says oh. purge but purge to the right person right yeah she he says that to her which i even had that written down too i love it um when she goes to tell him i need you to understand like what is going on i need you I need you to understand why i'm doing this he comes back and says understand what the complicated mind of an adulteress <laughs> like he's such an asshole like she she's still his mother you know and i understand we do see a lot of where Dawson gets his personality because I would say it would be from Mitch, from the way Mitch reacts, which it's understandable. He's allowed to react the way he reacted in this episode. But we do see where Dawson gets a lot of his sensitivity and his belief system and that type of thing and how he does react to things because it's very obvious with the way Mitch reacts. So I wonder if the if the writers were thinking, I want to have this sort of like mirror with the two of them because Dawson does spew a lot of stuff in this episode about monogamy and about, you know, two people being together for the rest of their lives type of thing. Whereas the conversation Mitch has in the car with Gail at the end, and he says he decided when he met her, he would love her forever. That type of thing. You, do you know what I mean? So it was sort of like a, a uh, mirror yeah. with the two of them. Um, but we're not even there yet. But I uh-huh. thought it was smart. I thought it was smart writing how they did that, how they made the two of them sort of like resemble each other and what they believe in. So, yeah, she like you said, he says, go purge. What Say the line again. He said purge, but purge to the right person. Right. Um, meaning your husband, spouse, mate, better half. Any of those ring a bell? <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> he goes and runs off to his bedroom where he slams the door, grabs the darts off the back of his door in the most overdramatic way. And Jen is asking him if he's okay. And he says he has two adolescent parents who bump like rabbits every day of their lives. He doesn't understand why his mother is doing what she's doing. And Jen says these things have nothing to do with sex. And this is when Dawson says he wants to know if monogamy is such a Jurassic notion, getting in his Spielberg reference. <laughs> and he doesn't understand if it's, if it's chemical and if it's not just Bob and if his mom is sleeping with the six and 11 o'clock news team. <laughs> Dawson goes ham, man. He just oh, he's like, so mad, so angry. <laughs> and I mean, then, it's, not, it's not that he's not allowed to be angry. He's allowed to be angry, but it's just really he's he's an entertaining type of angry, I guess. Yeah, you can. I mean, if I was in that room with him, I'd be like, oh my god, like calm the fuck down. Like, uh, I want. This is why Pacey <laughs> yeah. doesn't hang out with him. I mean, <laughs> like, keep going, but calm down. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, give me more of a show. <laughs> um let me grab the camcorder real quick okay <laughs> yeah you you're gonna want to remember this when you're 20 21 years old uh maybe later in life because you look like a fucking idiot <laughs> <laughs> but then this is when jen sort of um defends his mother and says your mother is a good is a good woman and he gets even more mad and he says you would defend her and um 
you know, she says, well, what does that mean? And he just sort of like has a snarky laugh at her. And (laughs) oh, I love this scene because Dawson gets told off by two different women in his life. And he deserved it because he's such an asshole. So yeah, Jen has a nice piece of dialogue here um, because after he says like, you would defend my mother, he basically says, you know what it's like to have more than one partner, I guess. And she says, what does that mean? Like, because I slept with half of New York City. And he says, that's not what I said. And she says, I always like this dialogue from her too. And I always remember it even from back when I watched it when I was a teenager. She says, you better clarify yourself right now before I rip your head off. And he like doesn't know what to say. I I feel like she should have slapped him because he was so rude to her. He was like slut shaming her. Yeah, I I don't know. Jen doesn't seem the type to get physical in that kind of way. And I really like that she she stood up for his mom. I mean, Gail, she's questionable right now. But she's still a person. She's just being selfish right now, you know, but she's still a person that he knows, even if she's making questionable choices right now. Um, but I love that he really he gets kind of chewed out a little bit pretty. I mean, by a couple of people <laughs> in yeah. this episode, because he's just taking it a little too far. He needs to reel that back in. Well, I like that Jen is trying to give him like a different perspective, too, because yeah. like maybe your mother is going through something, you know, obviously she is because she's. Mm-hmm she's like doing something that's out of character for herself. But I think she, he's, she's also just trying to, like you said, like reel him back in and try to like calm the fuck down. But instead he takes out his anger on her and says all these nasty things to her, which he should not have said. And she has another line where she says, we're not all as pious as you Dawson. Some of us aren't imaginary characters in a Spielberg film. Some of us live in reality. And she then leaves his room and he literally throws himself on his bed again. And this is when we hear Joey sneeze in the closet. <laughs> and he's like, great. <laughs> you heard everything. Cause she's, she says later, she's involuntarily eavesdropping, which is what Joey does on the show. <laughs> she's really good at involuntarily eavesdropping. On people. She just is always in the right place at the right time. Always. always. <laughs> she's so lucky. <laughs> Well, I don't remember all the specifics of their conversation, but, um, you know, they talk about it a little bit. And I think Dawson is is like, you know, you should probably just leave me right now because I'm having a whole bad case of verbal vomit. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's just, you know, everything that comes out of his mouth has been, you know, not thought. It's all based off of emotion. He's re- he's reacting from emotion. You know, it's a really big thing, guys. When you are upset. If you are angry, please think before you act and speak, because what comes out of your mouth when you're in an emotional state is usually not a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And you know what? It takes a long time for someone to understand that. Like when you're, when you're young and dumb and you're work and all you do is work off of your emotions, you do say a lot of stupid things. Like, I don't understand how some people still even talk to me because of the things I said to them. But now at my age, I don't let, I feel like I don't let things affect me. Like I think about it and I don't say what I really want to say because I'm not trying to make things worse. I, I really do just try to just like let it roll off my back because it's not going to be worth it. Like tomorrow, you you know, it's not, I can like be upset about it. I'm not going to forget it, but I'm not going to sit there and go back and forth with somebody and just be an asshole. It's just not worth it. It makes things worse. It, in a lot of cases, it damages relationships between people. Um, not saying that anybody should hold these things in. When you guys are feeling some kind of way, 
uh, you don't want to hold that stuff in because then you're just going to explode and it's going to be a whole shit fest. Uh, but you need to find a constructive way to handle those feelings and emotions, uh, whether it be through, you know, angry music, screaming yoga, because that's apparently a thing. And uh, <laughs> oh my God, of course it is. <laughs> um, you know, down or screaming at a pillow. I don't know. But, uh, you know, find a a really good outlet that is not going to be damaging to your person, somebody else, or your relationship surrounding you because, you know, certain decisions or actions or even verbal vomit, you know, could really ruin something that you might need. Communication is important in any relationship, whether you're, you know, in a romantic relationship or your best friend or whatever, like talk about things because if you don't, like you said, you're going to like bottle it all up and you're going to like explode. And that's when you say the thing that you eventually regret, but I'm all about it. Like I have to talk about things, Jamie. If I don't, if something's bothering me and I don't talk about it, I'll lose my fucking mind. And it's written all over my face. Like I have to talk about it. I feel like I've been to situations with you where I was like, Jamie, I just want you to tell, I just want to tell you this. <laughs> it was like something stupid. And you're probably like, Stephen, calm the fuck down. <laughs> I was being very Dawson in that situation. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just feel like <laughs> we're gonna make that a thing. <laughs> it's just it's just easier to talk about it instead of getting worked up because if you keep things like I said, if you don't let it out, you can look at somebody and start resenting them. And like, who wants that? Who wants to resent right. people? But before he says the verbal, oh, sorry. No, no you're no. good. No, keep going. Before he says the verbal, uh, the verbal verbal vomit line i couldn't say it um he says like what are you doing in the closet and she says um she's regressing to when they were children when they used to reenact the last scene of jaws and um you know she's trying to get him to change his mindset for like a little bit and just go and just like do this thing that they did as kids and get him in a better mindset. And he's not about it. And she says, Oh, right. It's up there with sleeping over on the, we're too old for this list, which confused me because she's the one who brought that up in the first episode. So I don't know why she was saying it. I didn't understand that. They confused me. That was a little weird to me too, that she brought it up and it was almost kind of like a a negative, like in a negative way. Cause it was her idea to not do the sleepovers anymore. Um, and they're still sleeping over. She's still sleeping over. I don't understand it. That was I, weird, that I always was, thought about that. I never understood that line. It doesn't really make too much sense when you think about it. You're adding it to the list of things that we no longer do, but yet you still do them. So I don't know if maybe that was just a hiccup in the writing. Maybe something changed along the way and they kind of forgot to edit that out. Yeah. Or maybe it's just something that they put in there for us to really think about. Or maybe they were just hoping we would never notice. I don't know. <laughs> well, I noticed it because. Yeah, me too. Because it was like uh, such a big conversation in the very first episode that she was yeah. like, we can't do this anymore. We're we're growing up. And now she's nagging on herself almost. It was weird. But anyway, she says, I know you're still mad at me for lying to you, which she really didn't lie to him about anything. Like it wasn't her responsibility to tell him about his mother. I mean, that's questionable, but that's when she says like the whole, you know, let's just be kids again like for five minutes and it's all perception. He doesn't answer her. He just doesn't want to deal with the situation. And she basically says to him, just remember that you still have a mother. She pulled the mop card. Yeah. And he's like, oh, fuck. Like, why did I say anything? Like, and she leaves the room and she says, oh, but I forgot. It's not about me. 
Like, cause it's always about him. Everything's about him. Like nobody can have any problems except him. It's, it's very it, Dawson's world and you just live in it. It is called Dawson's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it made him look like just a very whiny, self-involved little brat. They're like, your mom is cheating. We get it. It's not something that's people want to happen in their, in their life with their family because she's, you know, potentially breaking up her family, but there are worse things that could be happening, you know? And I feel like he just doesn't get that. It's interesting that you say that though, because I, um, I think that people's reactions to houses that, you know, start to break apart at a later age compared to a younger age, they're completely different. Uh, Like my parents split when I was like around two and no, you know what I mean? So, you know, having one household and then going to the other household um, and having two different uh, like homes, I guess in, in a sense, you have two different families at this point. It's different for me than it would have been if my parents split up when I was like 15 and I'm the only child because it was, it's, it's completely different mindset. You grow up and that's all you've had. You have your two constants, your mom and your dad under one roof with you. You're going through puberty and all these life altering, body changing things that are happening in your life. And now all of a sudden your family's falling apart. There goes your support system, you know, your support system, your foundation is crumbling behind, underneath of you. Like, I feel like Dawson's reaction, while it is dramatic for somebody who's being 15 years old, where, you know, this is happening and your family's starting to break apart. I feel like that his behavior, his reactions are probably very genuine. That makes sense. No, and they they are because he's like, well, first of all, he's a, a teenager going through like hormonal changes. And he, now he's exactly. dealing with a, the breakup of his parents. And, you know, how much more devastating could your life be in his world? But things could always be worse. This is true. That is completely true. I don't like how he treats her in this. I just don't like how he's... Like I said earlier, he was slut-shaming Jen. And I feel like he was almost slut-shaming his own mother. Because he's being protective of his father. I definitely will. Yeah, like it's so messed up to me. I don't know. It's just interesting writing on his part. Because they just clearly gave him some... uh, They clearly made him uh, side with Mitch on this. I just, I don't really like how fast he turned Yeah. on any of the women, especially because of their, their past, well, Jen's past, like as soon as he found out she had a colorful history, he really just like, he flipped the script on her so fast and he got instantly judgmental and then he starts, you know, slut shaming basically. And I just, I really, I don't like that kind of reaction at all. And that judgmental, I really have, I have issues. <laughs> With judgmental individuals, it just drives me really crazy, especially because you don't know these people. That's like when you walk into a store and you're like, oh, that girl's got obnoxiously green hair. She must be, you know, whatever. And I actually, I've, I've been out with a, a male friend who, and there was a girl who walked in and she uh, was kind of like gothed out, which I mean, hey, those are my roots right there. And she had this crazy awesome hair and he instantly just started talking shit. And I'm like, dude. Not, not near me because you don't know this person at all. You yeah. don't, you don't know crap. And you're just going to judge somebody because of the clothes they decide to wear or the way that they style their hair. Well, I'm just going to turn around and start making fun of your crap because of the way you're going to, the way you're dressed up. Maybe I'll just make assumptions about you. I will judge you by your character and your character only. Yeah. I agree with you a million percent on that. I can't stand it either. I know I was a very judgmental person. 
But I feel like as I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot wiser and I've smartened up with things. And I don't look at people like I used to. I'm very, I, I just don't care either. You know, like if somebody, yeah, if I'm yeah. with somebody and they say something about somebody, I'm like, who the fuck cares? Like, do you know them? Do exactly. they have any effect on your life? No. What do they have that's bothering you? Like, why do you care? Like, I don't, I can't stand that. Probably. So I'm just like, I'm just like, I worry about myself. I don't care about the person with the green hair in the store. I don't care about the person with the giant uh, things in their ears uh, or like the interracial couple or the gay couple or yeah, like who cares? They're not paying my bills. So I don't care what people do. It's not my problem. It's not exactly. my business. And like, if people want to worry about my life and what I'm doing, then that's their problem. So yeah, I don't have any patience for it. It's just not in me. Ugh, ugh. I could like talk about okay. this forever. It's just not worth the energy. It's not worth the energy. Let's, let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> it's not worth the energy. I think but we've anyway. made. I think we've made our point. Yeah. So don't be um, that guy. Don't be that girl, guys. <laughs> yeah, don't be that fucking asshole who has to say something about somebody all the time because you're not. You're not funny. You're not cool. You just look like a fucking idiot. Like, really? (laughs) Anyway, so they're all watching Bob on TV and the hurricane. And the other thing I wanted to say is I feel like they switched Bob. They had three different Bobs in this episode. I feel like he didn't look like the Bob we met in the store. And the Bob that we saw on the TV earlier in the episode did not look like that Bob either. I feel like they had a totally different Bob. (laughs) You know what's so funny, and this is why I love you, is because you notice these things. <laughs> I did not notice when they switched out Bodhi, okay? Oh and I God, definitely they look totally not, different. I paying that close of attention to him, you know what I mean? And then Bob, we see him like a handful of times, and each time it's like his face, it's not important to me. It's so I, you know me, I but... don't... <laughs> But I remember, I don't notice these things. It's so funny. (laughs) You're right, though, because I he was such like a nondescript character to me, too, because I don't I don't remember what he looks like. But I know from the episode we met him in, even in the first episode when he was on the uh, on the news with Gail, he does he does not look like the Bob that's in this episode. And I was like, did they change him out like three different times? Like, I have to go back and look on the cast list. But it, it definitely was not the same actor. It was it was just very funny to me. I was like, wow, it's a different Bob. <laughs> um, anyway, back to you, Bob. So That's he's on TV. Bob. They're watching him in the middle of the hurricane. And uh, Bodie and Grams are having a little disagreement over a chicken recipe. And Graham says, I think I know a little bit more about the culinary arts. And he's a fucking chef. <laughs> So uh, Bessie diffuses the situation and just says that the uh, chicken was delicious and they get up and like walk away. Um, And then Mitch says he hopes Bob stays safe out in the, in the uh, hurricane. And Joey says, "Uh, I wouldn't worry about Bob, Mr. Leary. And gal is like, I am so fucked. (laughs) And when she's like sitting there, like all invested in him and like I'm so worried Bob I I thought it was really interesting though because Mitch is so genuine he's like man I really hope that you know Bob is okay out there in this in this hurricane he's reporting the storm he's on the beach you know I hope he's okay he's so genuine and then here his wife is screwing him you know (laughs) and and now you've got 
you've got Dawson being, you know, passive aggressive and Joey's like being also passive aggressive, just not as uh, obvious as Dawson. It's really funny. (laughs) Yeah. But Dale's face is like, ah, fuck, I got to do something. This is getting out of control. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, um, yeah, Mitch is so sincere and so genuine. And I and I keep comparing the two men and I'm like, Bob must have a really big penis because (laughs) Mitch is like a million times cuter than Bob. Bob with like the faceless face. I don't understand it. Ugh, I don't understand it. Um, but anyway, Gal finds Joey sitting. Bob doesn't even look like he's built. Like Mitch is, he's muscular and he's fit and you know tall. And then you've got Bob. Bob is just blah. Bob's just <laughs> a, a medium. He's like average height, brown hair. He's nothing remarkable about this guy at all. Honestly, the fact that he's even as a news anchor <laughs> is pretty impressive in and of itself, but I guess it has to do with that swinging appendage between their legs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it, I don't but you know, whatever. Gail's going to do Gail. <laughs> no, Gail's going to do Bob. <laughs> but anyway, Gail finds Joey uh, sitting on the stairs and she sits down next to her and basically tells her that she's been selfish and she's going to end it. And yeah. um, Joey says it, sel- being selfish runs in your family, <laughs> basically <laughs> comparing her to her son. <laughs> Action is just, yeah. Yeah. This, this interaction, I just, Gail's finally, I, what was it? It was it was Joey's last straw that broke the camel's back, I guess. Not the whole conversation that she had with Dawson literally being like, are you fucking kidding? I don't understand how Gail did this, to be honest, like for so long. I feel like you should be like riddled with anxiety and stress because you know, you know, you're doing the wrong thing. If you're not happy, you know, then you should be handling that and not just going behind your partner's back. I don't know how she wouldn't be riddled with anxiety or stress. Just, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I would would be stressed out all the time. One, one, I'm a terrible liar. So like, I wouldn't even be able to lie about it. And I would, I would own up to it like right away. I really would. I, cause I, one, and I have enough respect for my partner to not do it, but also I just don't have it in me to do it. So I wouldn't be able to just go out and cheat on my significant other. And um, some people, it's just easy for them to do. I don't know. I don't know. But um, I, guess it, I guess that's true. It's stressful. I was listening, not to go back to Howard Stern, but I remember in the beginning of the pandemic, this guy called in. He was such a scumbag. He said, because they were talking about, like, have you hooked up with anybody since the pandemic started? And this guy called in and said he was at, the, at a Walmart and he had sex with some lady in the parking lot. And then he said he was married, but he wore a mask. I was like, what? Like, why would you admit that on the radio to somebody? That's you're a scumbag. I hope his wife wasn't listening. <laughs> I wish she was. But like, that's what I mean. Like, there's people out there that just don't give a fuck and they'll just do whatever they want. It's disgusting. I don't understand it. Like, if things aren't going right in your relationship, then maybe it's time to end it. You know, like, don't just go out and do whatever the fuck you feel like it because you're bored or you you feel like you need to be with somebody else. Like, have enough respect for your partner and be like, look, I think we need to have a conversation because I don't think this is like we're going where we should be going. 
It's not even that. It's pretty much comes down to balls. Have balls. Take yeah. the courage, and you know, take that conversation. Because it, I'm, I have no doubt in my mind that to start that kind of a conversation is life altering. You know what I mean? And I'm sure that it is probably scary to go and be like, "Listen, I'm not happy, and this is what's happening, and this is what needs to happen." Because then you have to start over. Yep. And like, and that's. <laughs> hey. That's yeah. And that is scary. Like if people are together for like 20 years and, you know, suddenly you find that you're at the end of the, uh, of your relationship, potentially like nobody wants to start over, but sometimes it's for the best. And sometimes, sometimes you're like, life is better off (laughs) anyway. So we're back. And it doesn't even have to be for 20 years too. Yeah, no, you're right. It could be be two or three. So um, anyways, yeah, back to the Back to the show. <laughs> we we, uh, we just try to dole out advice. And I get so, like, okay. I, I don't know. I get so worked up with it because I, yeah, I get so passionate about it. Because I get, I get so mad when I think about things sometimes. And it's not even just, just related to me. It's just in general. <laughs> yeah. So we're back at Tomorrow's Place with Doug and Pacey. And they hear a noise outside. So Dougie goes out to investigate and see what's going on. Which nothing's damaged. And this is when Pacey turns to Tamara and basically tells Tamara that Doug is gay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which is really why funny. he does this. It is really funny. But he just straight up tells her, you know, uh, he's gay um, in his own way. And, you know, I had to think to myself, why is it to deter her from actually talking to Doug? Does does Pacey really believe it? And he's just trying to be honest about it. Like it's 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 a kind of like a juggle because it's like he's jealous. We already know Pacey gets jealous, and Doug is clearly flirting with Tamara. And uh, but then you also had that conversation earlier. Is Pacey really picking on his brother and just using the earlier joke to to kind of curve Tamara away from him, or does he truly believe? that Doug is gay and he's just living in denial about it because he hasn't come out yet, even though he's almost 25. Um, soon to be 25. That's what he said. Yeah. Cause he's like, I know I'm young. <laughs> you know, Rilo Q says 24 is young. And then yet she's banging a 15 year old. So, I know. The um, fucking irony in that. <laughs> the irony indeed. But I mean, that's pretty much what you know tomorrow's like oh really like she didn't even see it coming which i really think is funny later because it gets brought up that you know aren't you gay and he's like no <laughs> oh i thought that whole scene was so funny i really it was did so too. funny but i so i'm gonna answer what i i think he is i think he does believe doug is gay but i <laughs> also think he's doing uh what he's doing by telling her that he's gay to be like you know back off because i think he does see that they're being like flirty with each other and he knows what doug is trying to do he's trying to get her to back off from him from his brother but he also does believe he's gay so it's sort of like a a all-in-one situation (laughs) with him (laughs) uh right exactly so you know they talk about that and then they start this like tickle fight and then both oh my God. Mara and Pacey end up on the floor. Everything that was on the dining room table, including the table cover, everything just comes flying off the table with them. And just as they're laughing and rolling around on the floor, like a bunch of teenagers, uh, Dougie walks in 
you know, covered in rain and sees these two on the floor. And then, you know, Pacey gets up and tries to help her stand. And I mean, oh, my God, did you did you notice the food all over her? It was so obviously placed. There was just like a piece of bread with like ketchup all over it. It was so weird. Well, it was I mean, there was stuff on the table um when the table got thing got pulled and everything kind of flew off the table in the back of my mind I really did wonder what happened to all of the stuff that was sitting on the table and I just I was so focused on Pacey and Doug that I really didn't notice just watching reactions as opposed to what they were wearing um so I didn't know that she was wearing the food but that's that's really funny um and speaking of wearing every single person in this episode was wearing almost the same outfit they all had on a big like nice sweater and uh really big 90s jeans the way they dressed Samara up she looked so big compared to what she normally looks like they had her in the baggiest clothes it was crazy to me but her and Pacey were dressed exactly alike (laughs) it was so funny they were both wearing like the almost identical outfit if you go back and watch it See, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't paying too much attention to their clothes, but I didn't think that she looked big. I think to me, she looked comfortable. She wasn't going yeah. to work. She was lounging around the house, trying to set up and put the boards up to protect it from the oncoming hurricane. She just looked comfortable. Uh, so me, when I'm home, I'm in hoodies and sweatpants or yoga pants. And I'm in clothes that are like three times too big for me. Cause I love giant hoodies that like like are huge and I can swim in them or I could put my legs inside if I get cold, you know, <laughs> like, um, not this one, obviously this one just fits me, but, um, I like the bigger baggier stuff because it's comfortable. So I didn't really notice her clothing in that kind of way, because to me, she just looked comfortable. I noticed their clothes in every episode because even in, the, even with Dawson in this episode, like I had so many pairs of khakis from the gap and from old Navy back then and um oh an Arapostel and American Eagle I used, those were like my places but um his khakis that he was wearing with the oversized like dress shirt uh like the the plaid shirt like that would would have been something I was wearing back then but the pants were his pants were huge and I was like I don't know if I like I know I was wearing like cargo pants and like cargo khakis but I don't think that I was wearing them as big as he was but he's he's also was a lot thinner than i was when i was like a teenager <laughs> so and super super tall too so i'm sure it's probably hard to find clothes that, like i feel like everybody can correct me if i'm wrong but really tall guys kind of struggle a little bit because in order for clothes to fit their body they're like either really short in the sleeves <laughs> or they're too long so i don't know if maybe it just had to do with um just the size of Pacey because Pacey is really tall, but also the style oh, back then is. too. Because really the nineties was he's tall. Um, I mean, when you see him kind of come up behind Tamara, he's like a whole head taller than her. Yeah. You know? So he's tall. And um, now I forgot what I was saying because we were talking about the tall. Oh, nineties, right? So I think that's also the style they wore those yeah. the baggy clothes with the buns are really big. Granted, we don't see any Jenkos in the show, um, which is a shame because. Uh, can love jenkos but <laughs> um uh but you know like the, the pants with all the pockets like the carpenter pants you know what i mean like they got the loops for your your uh your hammer and like they're still selling these pants and i <laughs> yeah i, I have so many pairs of them but um yeah i 
<laughs> I don't even want to get started on the clothes because the clothes, some of the clothes that it was always, you know, those pants with all the thousands of pockets and the, the really big like dress button up shirts that only button up from here with the collars popped, you know, I don't oh think God, he's ever yeah. popped his collars, but I mean the stripes and yeah, I see it anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So they got caught on the floor in a very uh, obvious position and Doug is like oblivious. Whatever. Yeah. Oblivious. But she also says before he comes in and catches them, no, we're not doing this. Not with your badge brother out there. Like may I remind you that this is a felony mm-hmm. and she still kisses him while Doug is outside. Like it's so gross. I don't she get just, it. So when Doug comes in, she pretty much is just like, Oh, you know, I'm such a klutz. I fell and yeah. took everything down with me, you know, including your brother. <laughs> um, which I mean, and his, whatever his penis just landed in my v- vagina somehow i don't know how it happened <laughs> i swear we had the clothes on and i just tripped and fell right on his dick <laughs> exactly it was so weird i don't know i don't was, know how it, was, it happens it was completely yeah the ghost did it i don't know <laughs> anyways so that scene's done <laughs> well our next scene is like the biggest scene of the episode so this is where gail is letting mitch know about her affair with bob so um mitch is uh we actually get a name for his miniature restaurant he calls it kelp and um i never knew that but he says if it takes off it'll they'll have a chain of them all across the country which i know further down the line they have leery fresh fish restaurants but i don't know if that was just uh contained the cape side or if it was a, a chain i don't remember but i know that they eventually do have a restaurant gail's so- trying to tell mitch right so she walks into this area that mitch is sitting in with his model of this restaurant he wants to do mm-hmm. and she's like i need to have a conversation with you and dawson tries to excuse him concerns the entire family you need to be here for it and now they're starting to close all the doors around them and that made me wonder how many freaking doors are surrounding them in this room? Like, there's one on this side. There's one on this side. Don't forget the one over here. Like, there are so many doors, so many different entry exit points to this room. It's amazing. I, I, well, I couldn't know. tell what room it was. I know. It, I there was a fridge. There was a fridge behind him. So I was there like, is? Is that the kitchen? yeah, I, I noticed the fridge. But then I was like, yeah, I saw the um, bu- like the buffet thing with the cups and stuff. And I was like, are they are they in the dining room? Because I don't remember. Yeah, when- I don't know if it was. The other thing, too, the room that they're all sitting and watching the news. The news? Yeah. It's a totally different room than the room that they walk in when uh, Pacey and Dawson catch them on the wicker furniture. So I and I don't remember how many rooms it was, but I know it's a big house. I think so. Um, the room that Pacey and then caught them making on the worker furniture is when you walk through the front door and go straight back. There's like a room back there, right? Okay. Um, I think the room where they were watching the TV was like off to the left of that, I think. And because uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember, it's like a weird side room. They've got their TV and then everybody's kind of sitting on it. It's like their living room area. But I don't know how they all connect because then you've got this kitchen that's got, and it also feeds into like a dining room. But it's like since when there's a set compared to a house because the four plan never makes sense. <laughs> oh my god, Jamie, <laughs> I know what I'm gonna do. I know what I'm gonna do. Plan? Yeah, I'm gonna find a blueprint online and then I'll post it to our Instagram oh because I was watching uh rewatching Sex in the City 
over the pandemic. And I uh, never realized how much I loved her apartment before because I, I thought it was so cool how she had uh, like the layout of it was. And somebody actually had a layout of her apartment. And um, I was so obsessed with looking at this fake apartment, <laughs> but um, I'm going to find uh, a layout of the house of the Leary house and see what it looks like. And I'll post it. I'll give it a great idea. Cause yeah, I, I mean, that would be a really great idea. Cause I am curious, but I know their kitchen has a, an Island, uh-huh. but I didn't think that he, he had this giant model on the Island and he was sitting low, which makes me think that he was sitting at like a dining room table. Yeah. I but, thought he was sitting at like a kitchen table because I saw yeah. the fridge. Right, because he was sitting lower and kitchen tables are like a model or anything. And I'm pretty sure he was, maybe he has like an office with a kitchen in it and it's off to the side somewhere, like a den oh where he where he works on it. I don't think that he was actually in the kitchen. We are talking a lot about this. And I know. On. So uh, Gail, you know, shuts them into this room and, you know, Dawson's ready to bolt and she tells him no. And she just takes so long to try to figure out how to tell him like she just starts going off in these random rambling tangents and the entire time I'm just like Gail spit it the fuck out he already knows something I've ever had those conversations where you're you're waiting for somebody to tell you something and you can tell that it's not going to be good news and you're this like like this ball feeling in the pit of your stomach just gets worse and worse and it's such a shitty feeling because you don't know what's about to happen and you just wanted to be ripped off like the goddamn band-aid and you can't make the other person just spit it the hell out just rip it off tell me the bad news so that way i'm not getting eaten from the inside out in nerves and you know fear and i just i just see mitch sitting there and he's just like gail i don't know what you're trying can you just tell me what you're trying to say and she finally spits out that she's been cheating on him for two months. Every time that she has uh, come home late, any excuse she's used to leave the house, any time that she was not with him, she was sleeping with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just finally comes clean. And you just see Mitch sitting there. Power goes out, right? The power goes out. They lose the power because of the hurricane. And then Mitch just starts getting up. He's like, I knew we should have had more batteries. He's like trying to process, but then the power goes out. So like dad mode strikes in. He's like, I got to look for batteries. I got to get up. And she's like, Mitch. And he's like, get away from me. And then he starts to really snap. Yeah. Um, he gets real angry. He's ready to throw shit. Um, well, he throws his model. He throws his model across. Yeah, he does. He throws the model. Like he, he, he's calm. And then now he's a little frantic and then he's just pissed and he's, you know, it, it just, it, it sucks. Um, yeah, he, that's when he, sucks. that's when he flashes the flashlight in her face. And we have that iconic picture of her that I just posted on our Instagram. And he tells her, you don't cry. You don't get to cry. And to cry. I was like, damn fucking straight. You don't get the cry. Like, you just hurt your partner of 20 years by telling him all this fucking garbage that you did behind his back. And you want to cry now? Like, I don't, I didn't feel sorry for her at all. The other thing I wanted to say, her delivery, uh, when she was telling him everything, it was almost like, like she felt bad, like, but she was nervous and she didn't know how to say it, mm-hmm. but she was almost making it like she was like, I want you to know I am a shitty person for doing this type of thing. I don't know if that sounds right, but she, the way she delivered it, she was like, now I know that's a judgment and I'm not like a judgmental person, but I never thought I'd be one of those people who was blah, blah, blah. And I just need you to know that I was cheating on you. Just the way she delivered it. It was, I liked how she did it because it made, it made her even more unlikable in that, in that situation to me, she, it did, but 
I can't even think of it, but I watched it twice and I was like, yeah, the way she's giving her lines in this, it's, you don't feel sorry for her at all. Cause you're like, you, you're just a shitty person. And you know, later on, you do feel sort of like remorseful because she does explain everything, but still, I just didn't feel bad for her in that situation. I didn't, I, I believed how she was explaining it. I just didn't like how she was explaining it. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, her delivery wasn't that great. And I don't know if that's because she really didn't plan it. She just kind of was going off of the emotion and like, you know, I need to get this out. I don't think it was really thought about. It was just, that's why she was struggling so hard in the beginning yeah. trying to figure out how do I just say it? And just, you know what? I'm a shitty person. I cheated and I hate myself for it. And this is what happened. And um, while I understand his anger and you don't get to cry, if she's already at the point where she realizes that she fucked up, she's allowed to cry. She's also emotional. She's like, I fucked up and I really fucked up. And what the hell did I do? And, you know, she's allowed to be emotional too. Um, no, I think she's allowed to be emotional too. But I don't think, but I don't think think she's the, yeah, like, but she's not the victim. Like, I don't want, I don't want people to think she's the victim in this situation. Definitely not. It's, it's not about victiming or anything like that. It's just about, you know, feeling your emotions. And I don't think it was a pity cry. Like, oh my God, feel bad for me. I'm crying. It's, I am emotional. And it was like a release. Yeah, it was a release. Yeah. Is he released? She finally has all this pressure off. It's out in the open, recognizes that she's made these mistakes. And it's just all the emotions come up front. And this is this is just what happens. It's I think, you know, Mitch probably saw it as, you know, you don't get to cry. This isn't about you. This isn't, you know, I'm not gonna pity you right now because you know, you did this to me. I, I think he saw it that way, and that's why he was angry. But for her, it was something else. Well, also, I think she was getting scared by him, too, because he, he was. Oh, he was scared. Re- yeah, he was reacting in a way that she probably never noticed. And he was angry. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so like I understand her side, but I also understand his side. So I take yeah. back what I said. But like I um no, like seriously, though, because like she he's already mad as hell as her. And like the last thing I want to see my partner do is like crying in front of me after you told me this horrible news, because I don't fucking care about you right now. Right. Um, but also I understand where her reaction is coming from. So yeah, it makes sense. Wow. You just, you just dug that out of me. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) You're like my weekly therapist. (laughs) You're like the only, you're, you're the only client I would ever have because I'm really not good at listening to other people's problems anymore. I've kind of gotten a little bit of, uh, I don't give a fuck going on. So, <laughs> oh my God. Well, you will be a terrible therapist because you wouldn't remember anything about them. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, wait, I got Dan coming in. Which one is he again? <laughs> I know that I would have to live off <laughs> pictures. Yeah, you'd have it's to like so have funny, pictures in front so of them. <laughs> and, like, I would have file. to have files with like a picture and their information and then all my notes behind it. And every time we're like, which one's Dan? Oh, Dan is this person. Which one's Betty? Oh, this is Betty. Cause I, yeah, I would never know. <laughs> so weird. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it either, but this is not something that uh, is new at all. I know. I know. We literally talk about it every episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. My inability to remember people. Yeah, your inability to remember people, my inability to drive uh, places without getting lost. We're a great team here. <laughs> like, I love it. 
At least they don't get lost. <laughs> I know. At least they I don't forget people. <laughs> I mean, hey, whatever. <laughs> so we're back at Tamara's. Tamara, right? Tam- oh my God, am I saying it wrong again? Tamara? No, you're saying it right. Tamara, like tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. Remember? Remember I saying that the last time we were having yeah. this conversation about her name? Tamara. We're back at Tamara's house. Uh, Doug is putting down Pacey again. He says that uh, Pacey's the family idiot. She's pulling out board games to play, and he suggested they play the if game, which is basically you ask each other a question and you answer it. That's all it was. So Doug asks her if she could live anywhere, where would it be? And she says New York. And Pacey asks Doug if he could star in any musical, what would it be? And he says, easy, Tony, West Side Story. And Tamara says she loves that uh, movie. Uh, Somewhere is one of her favorite songs, and I will um agree with that that is a really good song and she says she must have seen that 10 times when she was a kid and he goes 10 times try 15 (laughs) it's like Doug you're so gay (laughs) (laughs) oh it's funny it's funny because it's like leading up to him and this whole thing that's going to happen soon with her and like him asking her oh my god we'll get to it but anyway we're back at the Leary house (laughs) And Bessie and Bodie are still arguing about the circumcising of their baby. And um, I just, I wrote down, Bessie is so annoying in the scene. Like she really is. Uh, She says it's a human rights issue. It's a harsh and barbaric example of child abuse, which it's not. Um, I disagree. We already talked about that. But Bodie says that they don't even know if it's going to be a boy or a girl. Then Graham says, or black or white. And she says it's not a, oh, this is when she says it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Graham says it. That's so funny. I never, I wrote both of those down too. That's so weird. And I, and that's right. And it's like black or white, you know, this baby will be a hundred percent loved or something like that. But it was Graham's that said that. Yep. It was Graham's. She says, um, it's not a judgment, just an observation. She objects to children, raising children. Um, And there's my phrase again. Yeah. There's my phrase again. It's, it's not so a judgment, just an observation. That's the second time. Yeah, no, you are right. That's what I was saying. You said somebody else does it, and it was Graham's. And oh, that's it the first time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Jamie>. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were like agreeing with me the whole time. <laughs> I mean, I am. That too. Oh my God. Um, but the other thing I was going to say was that, um, oh, the, so Graham says that. In a way, it sounds like she's being a total fucking racist. But on the other hand, and for the time that the lines were written, I want to say that she was trying to say that the baby is going to identify as different because the baby is going to be a mixed child. And- I don't even think it's about the baby or, you know, this child being identifying. It's people you know, having opinions about this child. Graham's, you know, at one point later does go to say, you know, it's not, it's not any, you know, not anything about that. It's just, these are the things that your child is going to have to deal with as they grow up being right. judged in these ways. You know what I mean? So we have this little scene that was so oddly edited uh, with Jen and Joey out on the porch smoking. Did you notice that they were smoking? And bonding on the porch. 
I noticed that uh, Jen, when she was walk- walking out, because Joey was already in the corner, I know that Jen had a cigarette, I think. And she, it looked like she was opening something. And then in one hand, it looks like she did have something in her hand. So it looked like she was getting ready to smoke. I didn't see Joey with one, though. I must have, like, blocked this out. Because when I watched it back, I was like, wait, I think they were smoking in this scene. But yeah, when we see Jen walking out on the porch, she's lighting a cigarette to smoke and then she sees joey sitting down watching because she's like watching mitch and you see jen uh hand joey something and then joey has a lighter and then when they back the camera up again you see her holding joey holding a cigarette and at one point jen's exhaling smoke but they must have cut all that dialogue out where they're like talking about like smoking together because they just start talking about dawson I don't know. Maybe it was like something for the censors where they didn't want to show like 15 year old smoking. But I I was like, oh, my God, I I totally forgot about this because they're actually like and it was almost like a bonding thing for them, I guess, where they were like, you know, yeah, talking about this boy, like smoking together and just sort of like relating to one another. I completely agree. I think the scene, the way that it was edited was a little weird because I didn't really notice Joey with it in her hands, but I wasn't paying that close attention. Um, But I feel like their conversation just didn't flow. She looked like she was pulling a cigarette out and then she sits down and, you know, what are you doing out here, Joe? And she's like, oh, I'm just watching Mr. Leary, you know, who's sitting in the SUV by himself out in the middle of a hurricane storm, I guess, just trying to collect his thoughts. And, And it was just weird the way that their conversation was because I didn't really grasp everything that was going on because it didn't it did not flow at all it was you know oh why are you out here oh okay and then i mean what did they talk about it wasn't anything really that related it was well pretty much about size of dawson's penis like (laughs) well they she says jen says i guess the shit really hit the fan basically and then she's she asked jen where's dawson she's like i don't care i don't know i don't care and joey tells jen that it's just dawson's ego it's all about Dawson's ego. Why he, because she basically tells her she overheard everything because she was involuntarily eavesdropping. So she says it's involuntarily dropping. Yeah. So she says, you know, it's Dawson basically saying, how could there possibly be someone before me? And then that's when they start joking about Dawson's penis. And Jen says, do you think it it's more of a pistol or a rifle? And Joey says it was wrong for him to put his issues of his mother onto her. And then she says, I guess I'm not the virgin queen of Dawson Leary's handheld fantasy and um, blah, blah, blah. They have this whole. Yeah, you're right. It was like it was like a scene, I guess, for them to bond. But the way they edited it, it was so weird. And then they end up just talking about Dawson's penis. And Joey says. Taking in consideration his height, weight, feet, and hand size, I'd say he's slightly above average. And then Jen's <laughs> like, so you have thought about it. And she's like, I guess so. I guess like that. I mean, yeah. how, how could I not? You you know she like saw him like having a morning boner after she slept over. Like, please. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on. Probably. <laughs> he was probably like, oh my God. I can't let her see this. Oh my god! I wonder. Sidebar. I wonder how their mornings when they sleep over go. Like, is he just roll over with his back to her? He's like, "Yeah, Joe, I'll see you at school." You know, <laughs> bye, bye, Joe. You know, you know, like. <laughs> on well, do you, think, do, you think she's, do you think she sleeps over on weekends or, or on weekdays or just weekends, like Friday nights? 
I really don't know. I really don't know. Like, I really, I can't tell when they are doing these sleepovers, but I feel like a lot of times they do a school the next day. I don't, I mean, she's only up the creek, right? So she just get her little rowboat and go I change think, the school. I think it's mostly, um, they call it movie night. It's like mm-hmm. usually a Saturday, I think. It's movie night. All that right, well, it's, it's him rolling over going, all right, Joe, you go to the bathroom. Yeah, or he gets up first and he's like, I gotta go, I gotta go. Cause morning boners are horrible, especially when you have to pay. Uh, maybe he could, maybe he'd be in the bathroom. <laughs> so i've heard <laughs> i know i mean i'm just being obvious like any guy listening to this will understand what i'm saying i don't care i'm sure it's most people understand too because if they've lived with a guy <laughs> the other thing is too like you're like your significant other i mean i'm not I'm not saying this for me i'm just saying in general like your significant other might think because you have a morning boner that you're ready just to get down and like bang no you have to pee it's mostly because you're you have to go urinate that's mm-hmm. what it is i don't want to have sex the first thing I, in the morning when i wake up i want to like brush my teeth you don't have to explain it to me i understand i want to pee <laughs> i gotta go feed the Let fucking put on some deodorant real quick <laughs> yeah the yeah. cats are oh nothing's gotta, nothing lock them out <laughs> nothing's worse than starting some risky you know some you know, sexy time so and frisky cat- business. <laughs> <laughs> and your cats are sitting on like the on the dresser watching, going, What are my parents doing? You know, and you're like, stop oh, looking annoying. at me. Yeah. It's don't even get me started on that. Anyway. Or, or jump on the bed, right? Well, you're in the middle of stuff and you're like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I know what that's like. It's mm-hmm. fucking annoying. So anyway, we're now with Dawson and he's cleaning up uh his father's mess that he made. And Grams comes in and they have this nice little scene uh, where she says, Mr. Ryan, her husband, used to say, you want the rainbow. You got to put up with a little rain. And Dawson says, I guess you, you know, know about my parents as parents as well. And she says she used to be a fan of the motion pictures. Frank Capra, It's a Wonderful Life. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Pocket Full of Miracles. Simple Desires Fulfilled. Aspirations Realized. And then Dawson says, fears of abandonment turned into fantasy, spectacles of security and joy. That's like a fucking mouthful. I was like trying to write it down as they said it. Thank God my close captioning was on. Because I was like, I have no idea what they're talking about. They're like talking in fucking riddles. I don't understand. It went over my head. I'm pretty sure it sounded like a movie meeting too. Uh, But I really liked this because you find out that Grams did know. And I mean, it's kind of obvious when you, when you, I mean, Grams is nosy. She's an old lady next door. She's always looking out her windows and you got Gail make it, making out with Bob, you know. Oh, how many times do you think Grams call them? Right. Um, I really like this conversation that they had together because they kind of bonded a little bit um, over the movies, but then they really started talking about discussing, you know, second chances and exactly. forgiveness. And um, I think conversation with Dawson come to terms with not just what's going on between his parents, but also between him and Jen um, and, you know, him and Joey. And it really kind of makes you think, like, if you were put in this type of a situation, like whether you were the cheater or the cheaty, would you be able to forgive that person? Or would you like, would you deserve to be forgiven? I mean, mistakes happen. You learn from them. We're only human. Shit happens. As long as you take that, your experiences and you apply them in the future and not make those mistakes over and over again. But I mean, coming back to it, I've always really been so stuck in my ways where like if a relationship is over and you break up, 
there's no going back. There's a reason why that relationship is over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've talked about that before. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I mean, at least at least for me, like, would there ever be a time where you might consider maybe trying with it? What were the reasons? I, I guess it would depend on the reasons why the split happened to begin with. You know, if you got like 10, 15 years later and you're two completely different people at this point, you know, you've grown would it be worth it to try it again? Would you be able to move on from the past? You know, would you be able to accept and forgive whatever issues happened in the past? Like it's, it's, it's a very uh, serious question to really mull over when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I think that this conversation really enlightens Dawson to really think and take a step back and be like second chances to happen. I love my parents. I'll be okay. Will they be okay? And then in thinking about, you know, everything with Jen and would she forgive me for how I've been treating her, you know? So it's, it's the, can he forgive his mom? Can Jen forgive him? You know? So you've got two sides of a coin that he really is. Now he has to think. Exactly. That's exactly what she was trying to say. And um, I couldn't have said it any better, Jamie. <laughs> you said it all. <laughs> yes. Um, the nail on that head. <laughs> you did. So at the end of their of their scene, Dawson says he so he's like continuing the analogy with you know getting second chances and all that stuff. And he says the same way rain brings a rainbow. And Graham says, <laughs> I'm gonna try to say it in her accent. <laughs> um, she goes, What I've seen of you so far, you better buy yourself a good umbrella. <laughs> again <laughs> oh that was fine oh my god but yeah i like i like that scene between them i liked it <clears throat> I, was like, so I was like grams grams really isn't a racist nasty old bitch <laughs> she's yeah. actually like meaningful i think sometimes her delivery i i think that grams is just um a little bit misunderstood because of the way that she delivers herself um, and her her beliefs and her thoughts they come off strong but then she turns around and she always comes back and she's like listen this is what I really meant when I said what I said and she just comes back with this wisdom and you just you love her all over again and you're like okay Chris. <laughs> you know she does really become one of the um like the better characters throughout the series as it goes on completely agree I loved all right so now we're back at tomorrow I love her in the season but wait what I said she uh Grams is a little rough in this season but she yeah. she really grows yeah, she does. She she does have a um you know a lot of growth throughout this. But um so our next scene is we're back at Tamara's and they're playing Monopoly and Doug and Tamara are still talking about musicals. He's talking about Bette Midler and Ethel Merman and Gypsy, and uh he even starts singing, which is weird. And then Tamara starts singing along with him, and he says, you know, we should go out on a date to the Rialto where they play the old MGM musicals and she's like oh yeah I would love that and he's like "Uh, we'll have a romantic dinner um, leave baby brother at home you know I can get to know you a little bit more intimately and she goes well not like a real date and he goes well what do you mean and she goes well I I know and he's like know what that you're gay (laughs) (laughs) and Pacey's like loving it He's sitting there like with like a Cheshire like 
cat grin on. Like, I fucking love this. And he's just like shocked. And then he looks at Pacey and he goes, you told her I was gay. And he's like, no, no. Uh, Tamara goes, no, I I knew. I, I lived on Christopher Street in New York. I had a lot of gay friends. I have really good gaydar. And then he's like, tell her I am not gay. And she goes, she has gaydar. <laughs> It was almost like her saying, I know yeah, like she has gaydar. Like, <laughs> I mean, I really, I really appreciate Tamara in this scene though, because she, yeah. she tries to back Pacey up and be like, that oh one. shit, you know? And then next thing you know, you know, Doug is so mad. He, he whips out his gun and is po- literally pointing it at Pacey's face. And Tamara's like, what the fuck? You know, know. whoa. And, and Pacey's cool as a cucumber. He's like, it's fine. He does this all the time. And she's probably like, this is a fucking fucked up family what do you mean what do you mean he does this all the time (laughs) well i like the i was talking about the uh instrumentals throughout the episode and there was a funny little like carnival like song that was playing in the background it was like so funny because he pulls the gun out and pace like you said pacey's like he does this shit all the time and um and tomorrow's just like what is happening and um pacey's just like he's He's not gay. But how irresponsible of a cop to just do that, to just pull out your gun and point it at somebody. How fucking irresponsible. I'm pretty sure that's like against police policing 101 you know don't pull yeah. your gun out and point it at your brother for no reason besides the fact that Pacey just like it. pushes it out of the way like I know I know he's just like get the fucking thing out of my face and, nervous. <laughs> and I, I didn't catch whether or not uh Doug's like finger was on the trigger or if it was like it should have been you know just resting outside of it um gun safety and all but I, I didn't really pay too close attention because I was so focused on their face Tamara's just like what the fuck and Pacey's yeah. like dude really and Doug is like seriously tell her I'm not gay <laughs> uh, somebody doth protest too much okay <laughs> I know <laughs> it's so clear it's so clear I'll tell you what I would have sex with WD Doug he is really really hot I just don't like I don't like uh, I don't like how he talks though he's annoying the way he he speaks I bet he's one of those like gay guys who only hangs out with other white hot gay guys he doesn't know any fat chubby gay guys or if I if we like matched on uh tinder or something he wouldn't uh he would meet me in, in a, on a date and he would be like uh I gotta go that's the kind of gay guy he would be he's a he's a bitchy little queen that's what he is <laughs> Oh, anyway. The license to kill, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but he has a gun, so I don't know. Now we're back in the truck with Mitch. Gal gets in the truck. She is a wet, blubbering mess. She's got mascara running. Her hair is all curly because of the rain. She looks a hot mess. He gets into this, yeah, and she, like, never looked better. (laughs) So... Get, they get into this whole conversation uh, about how when he met her, that he knew the minute he was introduced to her, that he was going to love her forever. And he knew that just as quickly as that happened, as soon as she told him what she did, he decided that he didn't want to love her anymore. And 
she she really thinks he's going somewhere with the conversation but he turns it around and basically says this is we're done like i can't love you anymore like you did something terrible to me where i was so devoted to you and so in love with you i never thought you would do something like this to me but we're we're done i like he can't look at her the same way again and she's just like you know don't like don't do this Mitch like let's talk about it basically and he yells at her and says you know you got to get out of the car before I physically remove you which was a little aggressive I um I really did not I have a love-hate relation with this interaction in the beginning you know they get in and they're talking about the past and he's talking about the first time he ever laid eyes on her and he's like I knew the moment that they um your friend introduced you to me that I was going to love you. He's like, it was a decision. And it was a decision I made right then there on the spot, you know, basically love at first sight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like they're laughing and she's like feeling a little better because they're talking about it. But then he's like, but I can also decide to no longer love you just like that. I now hate you. That really bothers me um, that he could just turn that so quickly. You know what I mean? Just be like, I understand that he's angry. You know what I mean? And I understand that he probably has really strong negative feelings towards her, but you literally just spent 20 years and raised a child together for you to turn around after, uh, you know, when stuff gets tough to just turn around and be like, I don't love you. I hate you. You know, get out before I make you get out. You know, it's it's really aggressive. And well, I also think he just wants to hurt her. I just I see where Mitch is coming from. Yeah, I, I I see that too. He's emotional. He's angry. He, you know, I think she probably pushed him a little too far by coming out and, uh, you know, interacting with him so soon. Right. But um, I just, I, I see where he's coming from, but I just feel like he was definitely trying to hurt her back. And this was how he knew he could do it with words. Yeah, I don't think he was necessarily wrong in the situation. I like we talked about earlier, he was just hurting her because he's emotional and, you know, he does eventually come back. But I feel like he's allowed to, Jamie. He's allowed to. I'm not saying he can't. Yeah, I'm not saying he can't. That's why I have a love-hate relationship with this. You know what I mean? He's allowed to feel the way that he feels. I just think that um, my thing is more for somebody to be able to fall out of love that quickly. He's, just being, he's just being an asshole. He, he still loves her. Yeah, you know? well. That's why, like I said, I have a little hate relationship. Yeah, he's like, he's like, look. Piss me off, okay, I'm angry. <laughs> yeah, he's like, angry. he's like, look, I loved you. Now I fucking hate you. Now get out of my car now. And now I'm going to speed off and get mud all over your dress. And that's what not he did. For, not for nothing. I feel like Mitch's reaction with that was not of a man who was in his 40s, but of a man who was probably Dawson's age. His reaction oh, oh. was teenager I totally agree with you because when I was watching this scene with them and and he was going off on her like that, I related it to how Dawson reacted towards Jen by the things he said to her. That's why I said earlier, I feel like they kind of mirrored each other throughout this episode. So it was a little immature, but but I feel like I still say he had every right to just say it to her because he's hurt. But, you know, like I I mean, hopefully he eventually comes back and. We'll see what happens, but she's the one in the wrong here. But yeah, he was upset and threw her out of the car. She got mud all over her dress. She's a mess. She is a mess. She's a hot mess. I literally wrote here, I understand where his anger is with this whole thing, but he's so dramatic. I can see where Dawson gets it from. Yes. (laughs) That's what I wrote You know what? I never really made that correlation between the two, um, but I see it. This is exactly what they, they could not have done this better. You know what I mean? Because it really is like, 
like Mitch is Dawson's father. You know what I mean? Dawson behaves this way because this is how his father behaves. Um, right. Even though we never Dawson really seen evidence of that. Yeah. I mean, we've never really seen evidence of it, of Mitch's behavior until now, but Dawson grew up with him for 15 years. Surely they've gotten into arguments before, just nothing as serious as this. So yeah. Yeah. So now we are back in uh, downtown Cape side. The storm has passed. It is now sunny out. And we're seeing like the people like cleaning up their shops and stuff. Then we cut to Tamara thanking the boys for riding out the storm with her. Doug actually asks her out again and she tells him she's seeing someone. And we see Pacey all smiling like, oh, she really does want to date me. Oh, this episode, I really did like Tamara. I did. I like that she, you know, kind of she stood up for Pacey a couple of times. She stood up with him about his education with Doug was digging in on that. And how he never cracks a book. And then she stood up with him when uh, it came out that Pacey told her that Doug was, that he was gay. You know, she, she had his back for that. Doug asked her out and she's like, listen, I appreciate the offer, but I'm seeing somebody. So that's another thing for her. Really kind of changed her outlook just a little bit. Not really. She's still a pedophile, but just a little bit towards Tamara because it's, um, there's something there between them. You know what I mean? And I don't know, Jamie. I still can't see it as acceptable because it's gross. It's and not. I just, I just, and I he looks so a little bit. I understand what you're saying. Look, I hope she's fucking loyal to him. They're fucking each other. So if she's not loyal to him and I was a 15 year old, I'd be so confused. I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, I gave you my virginity. Can you please be loyal to me? <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I still think it's gross. But anyway, they're, um, yeah. yeah oh, she- yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying I like that she had his back. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah, I like that too. But still, it's gross when, oh, anyway, I just think anyway, it's weird. Moving on. <laughs> um, Dawson sees Gal sitting out on her wicker furniture. So I will say this about the wicker furniture. I would sit on that wicker furniture because it was like a rocking chair. I've been on those types of wicker rocking chairs and I don't mind those. Those are okay. But the wicker furniture where it's like wicker, it's not like that hard wicker. Those are uncomfortable. And it was seen throughout the whole episode. Tamara had a wicker chair, like one of those wicker fan chairs in her dining room i saw it those are like the ones that you see in those old well not even that it's that old but the 80s wedding photos yes that's exactly what she had (laughs) yeah that's what i thought of too i was like wow she's got one of those weird wicker wedding chairs (laughs) (laughs) like yeah it literally looks like the ass end of um what's that bird Oh, oh shoot. peacock! The peacock. It looked like the ass end of a peacock, just one color. <laughs> very, <laughs> very out. uncomfortable w- brown wicker. That's Don't understand who invented this. Okay, listen, I understand that wicker is is like sturdy material. It is wood. I get it. But who like invented that fan out party up top with like a little itty bitty chair at the bottom? <laughs> just you know, I know. All right. You know what else is a thing too? I see on TikTok people buy wicker baskets at like Goodwill and then they um they they nail them to the their wall. wall. What is that? It's a country thing. It's just a, it's a country style thing. This is that's nothing new. <laughs> that is so weird. And it's, it's like <laughs> it's so it's so dumb. I don't whatever. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it, it bothers me. I see it all the time on TikTok. 
I'm like, that's not inventive or nice looking. It looks stupid. I mean, it's 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 storage, man, because you got them stuff like hanging on the walls and you can hide shit in them because who's gonna who's gonna touch the baskets wait, on the wall? Are, you know? Wait, do you have wicker baskets on your wall? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> but I, I know wanna, people who do. I didn't want to offend you. <laughs> I'm not, I don't get offended easily if you haven't noticed already. <laughs> but um no, but I know people who do it. It, it is a country style. It's, you know, it's just a... Well, just a that's theater. different. I'm okay with, like, the people who have been doing it for years because they were, like, the first people to discover whisker, wicker baskets on their wall. But, like, the 20-year-olds that are, like, specifically going to the Goodwill and looking for them because they saw it on a TikTok, those are the people that I just don't understand. Oh, wait, people are actually actively looking for whisker whisker wicker basket. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll find a tiktok and i'll send it to you are you are you back i yeah sorry i was looking up um <laughs> i was i was looking at the history of wicker furniture really quick right oh so, okay go ahead uh, I'll, I'll continue on um so yeah Daw- dawson sees his mom sitting out there she's upset she's like you know zoned out so he literally just shuts the door no- door on her and it's like bye mom have fun uh then we see jen uh getting ready to leave and she tells dawson she's all emotional all upset she says you know today was the day of truths and it's her turn now to be truthful and frankly, I feel like she really didn't have to tell him anything. She really didn't have, he didn't, didn't deserve any of this. Shit. No. She did not owe him shit. And she, I liked how she was, I liked Michelle Williams' acting in this scene, but um, the character kind of grated on my nerves when she was just how she reacted. I don't know. Um, so she tells Dawson basically that she lost her virginity okay. at 12. I don't think that's losing your virginity. I think that's called rape, honestly. And um, someone got her drunk. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. yeah, she was raped. Um, she uh, lost her virginity at 12. She was drinking all the time. She had a couple pregnancy scares. She was on the pill. She used condoms sometimes. Sometimes she didn't. Then uh, the, the last straw, the last uh, piece of wicker was that she got caught sleeping in her parents' bed by her father. <laughs> and he shipped her out to stay with Grams. And you know, she basically says like, that's me. I just need, I'm here to start over. Like, I'm not that same girl. I was sexualized way too young and nobody deserves that. And she's right. Nobody deserves that. Nobody deserves to be, um, uh, to be exposed to sex at 12, let alone an age where you're not comfortable with it. And, you know, I feel bad for her character, but they're writing it out to be like it, I don't know if they were doing it to be shocking because she is only 15 on the show. I feel like they could have made her at least 13. I I just don't, I don't know. I just felt like 12 was a little too young. And um, I know they probably didn't want to say she was raped because it would have been a little bit more like sensitive, I guess, for the storyline. Like yeah. they, they didn't want to get that deep about it, you know? But as long as she says that she had sex she at 12. Says, uh, yeah. But like, I mean, she literally says she lost her virginity at 12 by an older guy who got her drunk. So yeah, she was raped. Um, And then she got caught. But I really like that she says, you know, sex doesn't equal happiness. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. because his thing is like, you know, for for my parents who were, you know, going at it like bunnies all day long. I don't understand where this is coming from. And I think we've talked about this a little bit before. And Jen, in like four simple words, it's just like sex doesn't equal happiness. It doesn't mean that they're happy just because they're boning all the time. You know what I mean? 
mean there is really? more to a relationship besides sex and clearly something is lacking so yeah so no no that's exactly what happens she she says she can't apologize for her past Mm -hmm. and again this is her chance to start over and she wants him to be a part of it and he basically apologizes for his behavior they hug it out and he whispers take two and she goes "Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm." she does this really (laughs) over over dramatic cry and she looked she had oil all over her face it was so weird but yeah, now it looks like they're back together. Um, he's gonna. I, I mean, I don't know what happens in the next episode. I haven't watched it, watched it yet. I don't yeah. remember, but I, um, I have a feeling that they're not gonna last much longer. We're back at tomorrow's and Pacey. Well, before before you get out, before yeah. you get into that, I want to share some information since we keep bringing up information about Wicker Furniture. I did a quick <laughs> Google search. Okay, so here's my fun fact for the day. Um, the first piece of wicker furniture landed in America on the Mayflower in 1620. Okay. Oh my God. The item was a wicker baby cradle, but the first recordings of wicker furniture date back to 3000 BC. Victorian wicker becomes popular during the golden era in the Victorian era, which is 1860 to 1880. Wicker furniture has been around forever. Holy shit. Because it is not that comfortable, but it's sturdy and it lasts. Um, <laughs> but wicker has been around for a really long fucking time. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm gonna make I'm gonna make an Instagram post about Wicker now. <laughs> Do it, anybody. That, I mean, we've we've talked about Wicker furniture, I think, before in a, in a post previously, and we got some feedback on it. So we're not yeah. the only we're not the only ones who noticed this terrible furniture that has been around for hundreds and thousands of years. Um, <laughs> hundreds. The of Mayflower. Thousands. It came over on the Mayflower. <laughs> Oh my came God. Out, and the first wicker bat or furniture came into America. Yeah, from the Mayflower. As a baby bassinet. It was, it was a baby cradle. Yeah. Baby cradle, yeah. <laughs> it was a baby cradle. I'm so, gonna yeah, find, I'm gonna find a picture of that if it if it's uh, available somewhere. Somebody had to have taken a picture of that, right? Did they have <laughs> cameras back then in the 1600s? Is that what I said? 1600s? I'm pretty sure they did. They didn't have cell phones back then. <laughs> <laughs> I've um, seen I've seen pictures of the Mayflower. How do they not have pictures of of a wick of a wicker baby bat bassinet cat cradle? <laughs> okay, so the first uh Kodak camera was in 1888. So yeah, that wicker furniture was already in existence here before that, but maybe somebody had it somewhere. I'm sure. Oh my god, Jamie, what if it's in like a um museum somewhere? <laughs> I don't think it a museum. Uh let, let me see, right? So uh <laughs> <laughs> just we keep talking about it uh oh my god it's so horrendous i don't even know where my notes went wait where did it go nope go back one more is there a picture of this i don't i don't think that there's a picture of it anyways we're getting off topic here needless to say wicker furniture has been around for a really long time that's fine. moving on <laughs> all right so we're back at tamara's tamara's oh my god we're we're back at tomorrow's uh pacey uh showed up um she's like where's your brother and he said he just circled back he circled jerk back and <laughs> he just wants to uh see her again and um he says he wants to ask her one question if she could do one thing over again what would it be and uh she says she wouldn't marry a fat stockbroker and she says uh you know, same abusive, an abusive fat stockbroker. He was an abusive. Oh, fat I missed stock that. Yeah. 
if I pictured like a really like a cartoon character, like a big fat guy with like a top hat, <laughs> she said it. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> like, and with like a really tight like jacket. <laughs> that guy in a little coat. Yeah. <laughs> With the and with like a big like beard, I like a long beard. That's what I kept picturing. <laughs> anyway, um, I am I yeah. What? As I was gonna say, I really like this scene because again, with Pacey and his gestures, I love Pacey's gestures. Okay, Pacey is a romantic through and through. I mean, I know that we're always you know with Dawson and Dawson is always like a romance with the movies, but I do not like Dawson's brand of romantic anything. I like Pacey. Pacey's is just more organic, more realistic. Uh, He doesn't think about it. Like you just said, he's organic. He's organic. It's completely natural. He even admits that uh, he feels he's rapidly falling in love. Um, She didn't comment on that at all, Mm -hmm. which really kind of goes to show where it's going but um yeah she says they're getting messy it is getting messy they're getting risky you know what i mean with with the public pda and you know the chances they just did with with horsing around um i just i just made a comment here though in my notes that uh i really just love pacey's gestures his romantic gestures the things that he always says to the girls that he's expressed you know romantic feelings for i just Every relationship that he's in up until the end, I've really appreciated his character for it because he's just, he's a lover. He's very he romantic. Very, he is it. very charming. He's a very yes. charming guy. Very charming guy. I love him. Yeah. This is when Mitch comes back to the house and they're out front porch and they're talking, right? Mm-hmm. And um, she really, I guess, has had all night to, to really think and decide why she made the choices that she does. And she basically is like, I have reason. My life was perfect. You know, um, she felt empty because she didn't, she didn't want for anything. So because she didn't want anything, she had everything she needed. Uh, she wanted to want again. So I guess her first want turned into, you know, wanting her co-anchor, which then turns into doing a bang up job, losing her entire family. And now she wants her family back. Right. So uh, she really didn't have a, a really good reason besides the fact that she had everything and she needed a little mess in her life. And I think this is where, where Dawson and how they react and react. I like how, how, um, where Dawson gets that side from right because he's so focused on trying to have this like drama in his life you know you need that uh, forget what it's called in movie lingo or whatever but you know that, that like issue um oh my god i know what you're trying to say yeah whatever that word is that's i mean you in, in both of how his parents are reacting you know what i mean mitch with his like almost teenage like reaction to the entire situation and her starting this reaction because she didn't have the conflict she didn't want for anything her life was perfect and there was no conflict and she just felt empty inside until she created that conflict well she successfully did her job i guess so it's really interesting to see that side of it too so now we know where this came from on dawson this dawson got this from his dad he got this from his mom exactly yeah he is he is literally like both of them um but yeah she says everything to him that you had just said she's trying to explain herself and then once she goes to apologize he tells her you know just stop i just want to sit here and not talk and she's sitting inside the porch and he's sitting on the front steps looking really sexy i might add i liked how his boots looked <laughs> and um we just they just leave it at that with the with the two of them and we don't know what's going to happen next my um uh thoughts are it's going to be very rough <laughs> 
Um, I don't think Mitch is going to uh, yeah. handle it very well. Um, now the end. We're almost at the end. We are at the end. We are um, at the end. This is it. Dawson finds Joey in his bedroom and he apologizes for being thoughtless and insensitive and self-obsessed to the extreme. And he says, if you give me a chance to rectify my belligerent ways, I promise I will make every effort to be friend worthy again. And she goes, well, that was a mouthful. <laughs> so funny. Um, she apologized. Yeah, to him. Right. Uh, yeah like he, he's just like, look, I wrote this out of my head. I want to get it out. I got to tell you, I'm a screenwriter. I'm a film writer. I'm a director. I got to tell you this. And she's like, what the fuck do you want to tell me? So he apologizes. She apologizes to him for uh, pulling out the mom card. Uh, she says it's way too easy. And... Oh, he says, um, I don't know what I would do with, with without my mother. And uh, she says, it just hurts. And she says, you're you're born and you die and you make a lot of mistakes in between, which is accurate. Yes. And um, he says, you know, what can I do for you? Because, you know, he, he opened up his eyes a little bit and realized, you know, she my friend is hurting, too. I, I I'm not the only person, you know, in this world that has problems like my best friend is, you know, suffering because she lost her mother. And um, she says, uh, can we put our rapid ascent into adulthood on hold, please? So he grabs her hand. They jump over his bed and they end up in the closet together, reciting the uh, last part of Jaws. And we <laughs> end with a little stuffed shark on his bed. And we hear Joey say, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And I think there was a little scuba dude inside the jaw in the, in the jaws of uh, the oh, shark. Oh, was there? It, there looked like there was a little scuba dude in there too. But um, yeah, that's yeah, the end of the episode. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, little easter eggs in his room they changed the uh posters on the wall i noticed they put up uh they, always change stuff. they put up close encounters hook and another one i don't remember but they're yeah they're all behind his his uh wall but yeah that was the end of the episode i really liked it i thought it was um i'm surprised that for the fifth episode in that they got into it with mitch and gal so so fast i thought maybe they would wait it out till the end of the season maybe but um clearly we're gonna yeah. see I, too. I didn't realize how fast it escalated yeah yeah but i like I it yeah me too me too um so next week will be season one episode six it's called baby baby wonder what that's about we're gonna find i wonder out. i wonder if jen's gonna have a baby yeah or, okay. <laughs> what if rams has a baby or what about the only person that's actually pregnant on the show oh right bessie i forgot about her um but thanks for listening if you want to follow us um you can follow us on instagram at uh creek talk podcast or on twitter at creek talk pod and please follow us on both we really need some more followers (laughs) please love Um, us and if you yeah please love us And we appreciate the listens and the follows and the shares and the likes and everything. It means so much to us. Like it really does. Yeah. And if you want to follow Jamie's bookstagram, Jamie, why don't you give your 
Yeah, uh, if you guys like books and want some recommendations or just want to follow me, uh, you definitely can. The more the merrier. I am on Instagram at jlynn underscore book lover. I'm also on Twitter, jlynn underscore book love. L-O-V is love. Um, but yeah, follow us. You can get to us. Yeah, we tag each other all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we tag each other on our posts all the time. So it's easy. Just click our picture and you'll see both of our tags. But um follow our creep talk and follow James oh, creep talk. Um, for those of you that have made it this far and are still listening to us, you know, hours later, we know. Uh, but if you guys ever want to reach out, want to talk, we are probably thinking about maybe even some guest appearances. Um, you guys have any ideas, suggestions, questions, something you want to talk about, something you want to see us do or interact. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, I love that. For, yeah, we're, we're always looking for new ideas and stuff, guys. So, you know, reach out, let us know. We love to hear from you. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. Yeah, we we really do. We appreciate it. And with that, I guess we can just say goodbye. Goodbye. See you guys next week. And thank you so much. Bye, Creakers. (laughs) Bye. Bye.